Welcome to the podcast. Hi, it's Pierce Brosnan here, guest hosting today on TED Talks Daily. Here's an incredible TED Fellow talk given by legal entrepreneur Rohan Pavaluri about tech innovations in legal literacy and the fight for justice for everyone, not just people who can afford it. TED Talks Daily is brought to you by LinkedIn. Everyone's career is different and reaching your goals takes time. LinkedIn Learning offers courses based on in-demand skills trending on LinkedIn taught by industry experts. So the career goal you want becomes the one you get. That's why engineers are learning cutting-edge languages to build better products. Salespeople are learning to ask better questions to make their numbers. Job seekers are learning to network better so the job they want becomes the job they get. No matter your goal, LinkedIn Learning helps you learn the skills to make it happen. LinkedIn Learning. Try free for one month at linkedinlearning.com slash free month. Support for TED Talks Daily comes from IBM. These days, you have to keep everything moving and reinvent the wheel. With a hybrid, you can do both. That's why manufacturers are going hybrid with IBM. With Watson on a hybrid cloud, factories can use AI to automate the little things so they can focus on the next big thing. Businesses that want to innovate at scale are going with a smarter hybrid cloud using the technology and expertise of IBM. The world is going hybrid with IBM. Visit ibm.com slash hybrid cloud. I'm going to start by telling you a story about Danielle. When she was a senior in college, Danielle's dad passed away, which left her mom with no way to support herself. So Danielle had to drop out of college and pick up three jobs as a barista, a bartender, and a car washer. Altogether, the three jobs paid Danielle $23,000 per year, which wasn't a whole lot, but it allowed her to feed her mom and keep a roof over their head. And for Danielle, that was enough. But early one morning, when Danielle was driving home from one of her jobs, a deer ran in front of her car. She swerved off the road and crashed into a barn. Now, Danielle doesn't remember exactly what happened next. But when she woke up in a hospital a few hours later, a doctor told her that she had damaged her brainstem and C1 vertebrae. Now, the good news is that Danielle was going to leave the hospital alive. But the bad news is that Danielle had $55,000 in medical bills. Now, Danielle tried so hard for the next two years to try and pay back that debt, but it was impossible. It was impossible for Danielle to pay back $55,000 in medical bills, earning just $23,000 per year. She felt trapped. One freak accident put Danielle on the verge of homelessness, hunger, and poverty. And when you're in Danielle's shoes, bankruptcy is a lifeline. It's a powerful legal tool that allows you to relieve your debt and re-enter the economy. A medical emergency, a job loss, a divorce, these are financial shocks that could happen to any of us. And when you're living paycheck to paycheck and don't have a whole lot of savings, like so many Americans, a financial shock can ruin your life. Bankruptcy gives you a second chance. But when Danielle went to go find a bankruptcy lawyer, she, like so many others filing for bankruptcy, learned that it was gonna cost her $1,500. She didn't have that kind of money. I mean, what a cruel irony. In America, it costs you $1,500 to tell the court that you have no money. When you walk into a court, everyone from the judge to the clerk to the forms themselves will tell you to go find a lawyer, no matter how little money you have. One of the great civil rights injustices in America is that we don't have equal rights under the law. What we have is equal rights if you can afford a lawyer. 
Whether you're evicted from your home, in an abusive relationship, or need access to bankruptcy, you have no right to a free lawyer in most civil cases. And because there aren't even close to enough pro bono or legal aid lawyers around, four out of five low-income Americans can't get the legal help they need to access their civil legal rights. Four years ago, I helped start an organization to fight for a new civil right in America. The right to solve your own legal problem when you can't afford a lawyer. We've started with bankruptcy. Our nonprofit, Upsolve, has built an app to help people file for bankruptcy on their own for free. People like Danielle. Our app asks people questions about their finances in language they can understand, and then uses this information to help generate their forms. Last year, Danielle used Upsolve to file for bankruptcy on her own for free. She got her final letter from the court, relieving all of her medical debt right after Christmas Day. Today, Danielle has the highest paying job she's ever had, and she's on track to finish her degree. There are so many opportunities to create a more just legal system by empowering people to solve their own legal problems whenever possible. This is especially true in non-adversarial areas of the law. Things like no-asset bankruptcies, uncontested divorces, and social security disability. But there are two main barriers that stand in the way. The first is legal complexity. We've designed our forms and courts around lawyers, not regular people. Many legal forms are like modern-day literacy tests. When you can't understand them, you can't access your rights. Every year, poorly designed forms, courts, and processes deny millions of Americans their life, their liberty, and their property. Legal complexity is a civil rights injustice. To start solving this problem, we need to require basic user testing in courts and revise our assumption in areas of poverty law that everybody will be able to afford a lawyer. A second barrier is a closed culture. We've been met with pushback from some folks who believe that you need to go see a lawyer no matter what legal problem you have. Imagine you had to go see a doctor to cure a plain old headache rather than being able to buy Advil at your local pharmacy. Telling a person who is poor to go find a lawyer when they obviously can't afford one is out of touch, intimidating, unfair, and wrong. It's also a racial injustice. Black and brown communities disproportionately cannot afford the legal fees they need to access their civil legal rights. Many legal fees are like modern-day poll taxes. When you can't afford to pay the fees, you can't access your rights. Now, we have a decision to make about how open and equal we want our system of justice to be. The only way we're ever going to have equal rights in America is if we get rid of the modern-day literacy tests and poll taxes that dominate our courts and legal system. We need a new civil right in America, the right to solve your own legal problem when you can't afford a lawyer. Because in America, our rights are supposed to be inalienable, our protections are supposed to be equal, and we all deserve a chance at life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, whether or not we can afford the legal fees. Thank you. Hey, TED Talks Daily listeners, I'm Adam Grant. I host another podcast from the TED Audio Collective. It's called Work Life, and it's about the science of making work not suck. Next time? It seemed like the sort of concept that had been made up in order to convince people that there was such a thing as emotional intelligence and that they might be deficient in it. How emotional intelligence has been co-opted as a form of corporate control. Find Work Life on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Hello, Chris Anderson, head of TED here. That talk was by one of our impressive TED Fellows. 
The TED Fellows program recognizes local leaders and equips them to make change on the global stage. There's a possibility you could be one of them. Learn more at ted.com slash fellows and apply today to join the program. That's ted.com slash fellows. PRX. Sign up for the newsletter so you never miss an update. wherever you may be from the home of the state's land-grant institution inside the metro news radio network studios in the dale b miller building in morgantown it's time for the state's most listened to sports talk show this is the sitting at statewide sports line sitting at go with the experts that know and now across the state of west virginia and beyond sports line is on the air And good evening, everybody. Welcome in 14th day of June 2021 with the coach, Greg Hunter, and the Senator, Brad Howe. 14th day of June, and that means normally on the 14th day of June, let's be honest, we just kind of come in here and go like, okay, how are we going to sing and dance until 5830 when the music starts again? But tonight, folks, do not adjust your dial. We actually have more show than we have time. We've got three guests lined up this evening. In just a little bit, we will chat with Mac Stevens. He's the head football coach, Cleveland Heights High School. This past week, West Virginia got that verbal commitment from one of his players, Maurice Hamilton, the big 345-pound offensive lineman who will sign with WVU when classes sign this coming December. We'll talk with him. Also, big news today, conference, everyone's always talking about conference, <laughs> conference reaffiliation, conference reorganization, what's going to happen, what's the next move? WVU did it. They made the move today. West Virginia's in a new conference. Conference USA. Soccer only. But it's still significant. The men's soccer program at WVU is leaving the MAC. And going to Conference USA starting in 2022. Not this season, but the next. We'll talk with Shane Lyons, WV's athletic director, about that and maybe a few other topics since Shane is in the absolute forefront of everything that's going on right now, both in the NIL space and other issues. And also, it's the North-South Football Week. The annual game will be played in Charleston on Saturday. Throughout this week, we'll interview folks that are going to be participating. Both the head coaches will join us, and we got an also we got a Hall of Famer who's going to join us. They have an indo- oh, I said indoctrination. That's kind of like something a cult does, right? Brad, yes. cults, they do indoctrinations. Well, I, I don't know, but I'm not sure why you came to me to ask about what cult <laughs> rules and regulations were. I- I don't know that. You were my go-to on that. <laughs> they will enshrine... Jody McCowan 
into the North-South Hall of Fame, former Mountaineer punter, in-state guy. Obviously, we'll talk with Jody later this week, plus a couple players. Anyway, Ray Lee, Greenbrier East's coach, will coach the South team. We'll talk with Ray coming up a little bit later on. Meanwhile, it was a busy week over at the WVU football complex last week and last weekend. About a dozen or so recruits made their way through. Coach Hunter, what do you have on your Ouija board over there? What's shaking? Well, um, Neil Brown and several of his assistants have put out their famous Let's Go chant. Last week they did it times three. This time we've only seen one. But to this juncture, out of the Ooh. dozen or so that were there, none of them have re, you know, taken to social media to announce that they have indeed committed to West Virginia. So a lot of times, and we said last weekend West Virginia had three. One of them, the uh, Maurice Hamilton, whose coach we'll have on later, uh, he did ultimately reveal that he was committed to West Virginia. The other two to this juncture have not. And so – you know, you sort of have to, to guess and use your Ouija board and try to figure out exactly what it was. So we don't know this weekend. Um, my my guess would be a pure guess of the dozen or so that we're in uh, this weekend. But, um, you know, they, they had some high-end kids. Uh, Nico Marcho, Marchoy. How'd we do it? Oh, Marchio. Marchio. <laughs> you made it harder than it is. It's just Marchio. Nico Marchio, uh, a highly thought of quarterback from Arizona, was in. He's one of, uh, you know, the more high profile recruits for West Virginia so far. Has not yet announced any kind of commitment. I don't say yet say that he has, but previously had been committed to Florida State. Has backed off that after the Seminoles also uh, took a commitment from a another quarterback, a real highly thought of kid. So. Uh, Nico, I'm going to avoid the uh, last name for now, even though I know it's easy. Here, listen, listen. Remember when we had that? In- I know. And it listen made me to me. Feel like a listen, three-year-old. Listen to me. Remember when we had that intern from Philly? <laughs> yes. Little Markio. Yeah. Little little Marky. Remember uh-huh. him? Okay. Went into the jewelry business on, in Philly. Marky. Yep. So every time you just quarterback, think of Marky and just go, oh, Marky, oh, Markio. Nico Marchio. There we go. I like it. So like we'll, that? I like we'll that see name. what ultimately happens with him. West Virginia, Michigan State uh, seem to be the top two at, on his leaderboard at this point in time. So, uh, And all indications. He's not a kid that's afraid of social media. Was on it all throughout the weekend, and it was very complimentary to his visit at West Virginia. Apparently was not the kid that was standing on the roof of his car on Don Nealon Drive under – uh, three feet of water. Now, that wasn't a recruit, was it? I, I, didn't, no. I don't no. believe so. That would probably end the visit right there. And that. We had a little water problem here in Morgantown, folks, for those of you that uh, may not have seen it. Unlike anything we've ever seen, everyone always wants to go to the beach, wants to go to the beach, wants to go to the beach. Everyone has to go to Myrtle Beach. Yesterday afternoon, didn't they go to Myrtle Beach? All you had to do is go to Patterson Drive. It was a full-out deal. And Coach Hunter said that someone was standing on their car. Yeah. Saw that sitting on the roof of their car waiting for the fire truck. To- that was over by the stadium. Yeah, yeah, where that happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it was so, a water. It was a watershed moment. Yes, yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. So, yeah, big recruiting weekend for West Virginia. Uh, like I said, the second straight week that they've had about a dozen fairly high-profile kids in, uh, trying to you know further the class of 2022. All right. So when we come back, we'll hook up Max Stevens, head football coach at Cleveland Heights High School. We'll get some insight into WVU commit Maurice Hamilton, 6'4", 345-pound, three-star offensive lineman. He'll be a senior this coming year. 
Shane Lyons will join us. West Virginia is going to move the men's soccer program to Conference USA, so that becomes interesting, right? So now Marshall, West Virginia isn't just going to be a in-state match. It'll be a league, be a league game. Plus South Carolina, Kentucky, Coastal Carolina also coming in to Conference USA for men's soccer. And then Ray Lee of the North-South game uh, will get his perspective on that. All of that and more Coming your way, do stay with us. CityNet Statewide Sports Line. Fruth Pharmacy is offering curbside pickup. Simply call your local Fruth and ask to place a curbside order. A friendly Fruth associate will call you once your order is complete and let you know when you can come pick it up. Once you arrive, please call your store and their staff will bring your purchase to your car. Fruth Pharmacy wants you to stay happy and healthy. Please feel free to utilize their drive through local delivery, and curbside pickup services at this time. Fruit, your hometown family pharmacy. The weekend's almost here. At Lou Wendell Marine Sales, they offer a large selection of boating accessories, including life jackets, tubes, and floats. Everything you need for a fun and safe day on the water. See their inventory of fishing boats, pontoons, and accessories in their St. Albans store or online. The weekend's almost here. BlueWindowMarineSales.com. We furnish family fun. The CityNet Statewide Sports Line returns in two minutes on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. Hey, everybody, it's Tony Caridi. And I'm Brad Howe. And that makes two of the three guys that bring you the podcast entitled Creatively Enough. Three guys before the game. It's our opportunity to really drill down on WVU football and basketball. We break down the opponent and then review every single game. We'll give you some numbers. We'll bicker back and forth. We'll take your calls, your texts, your tweets, and get into some of your questions. And we invite you to join us each and every episode at Three Guys Before the Game from Metro News. Nobody covers West West Virginia like Metro News. Start each weekday at 6.06 a.m. with the morning news. Veteran anchors Chris Lawrence and Jeff Jenkins deliver the day's biggest stories, along with in-depth reports from Alex Thomas and Jake Flatley. The morning news also brings you the latest in sports from Kyle Wiggs, Hoppy Kerchival's daily commentary, and the entertainment report. Get your news from the names you know and trust on the Metro News Radio Network and at WVMetroNews.com. Hi, I'm Brad Howe, and I invite you to check out our new podcast, The Game Within the Game, presented by DraftKings. Each week, I'll be joined by DraftKings experts as we dive into the NFL, college football and basketball, the NBA, and Major League Baseball with actionable information you can use. We'll look at everything, including player props, DFS plays, and the latest odds boost to help you find an edge. The Game Within the Game, presented by DraftKings, is available everywhere you get your podcasts and at WVMetroNews.com. Your source for what's happening in West Virginia is WVMetroNews.com. Get the latest statewide news, sports reports from WVU, Marshall, and your local high school teams. Explore the great outdoors with Chris Lawrence. Read Hoppy Kerchival's daily commentary and catch up on your favorite Metro News programs and podcasts. Stay informed anytime, anywhere with WVMetroNews.com. Metro News, for 36 years, the voice of West Virginia.
Welcome back, everybody. Sitting at Statewide Sports Line, those who care for someone who is homebound and would like to get the COVID-19 vaccine are now encouraged to call the WV COVID-19 vaccine information line. Number is 1-833-734-0965. Once again, if someone is homebound and you'd like to get them the COVID-19 vaccine, it's really easy to do. They'll take care of you. They'll come get you. 833-734-0965. 833-734-0965. Well, state track and field meet completed. We talked with Joe Bricado on Friday's show. And one thing became quite clear coming out of the state track and field meet, and that is this. If you're a participant and if you appear on this program as a guest, you will win multiple state championships. Now let's head over to our track and field center where the senator has the details on the weekend. Along those lines, let's mention those first. Josh Edwards, the distance runner from University High that we had on the program, he takes home state titles in the 1600, 3200, had a state record in the 3200, and the 4 by 8 Torrance Walker from Wheeling Park. Didn't we have him on? He was on the program Great as kid, well. Yes. He was the high points honoree on the boys' side. Took home three state titles, guys. He won the 100, the 200, and the 400. And to give you some historical context in the 200, James Jett holds the record at 2139. Walker ran it in 2143. Very nearly got Jett's record. So, congratulations to those two. Four hundredths of a second. Difference between him and James Jett. Yep. Now, Hunter always tells a funny story. Now, this is not to take anything away from this weekend's performance. Absolutely not. But back when Jett ran it, if you false started, you were immediately DQ'd. You were out. Didn't have a chance. No second chances. So you think that Jett played it conservatively, Coach Hunter? I was there. I think maybe the only state track meet I've ever attended, but obviously went down there to, to – Watch James Jett and cover that. He sat in the blocks for I don't know how many counts. Everybody Hunter, else was Hunter's on. giving it sat in the I blocks. I mean, Hunter's got him in there letting people get out there 100 yards before 100 meters before he took off. Yeah, well, he let him get about 20 meters out and then caught him after 25 and passed him in one going away. So, wonderful job by Torrance. Just to finish second, I mean, to have the second fastest time would be incredible, uh, but – the, that James Jet t- time should be much, much, much faster. Well, you know, Torrance, if we have him on again, he might say, well, I was sitting back too. He I should have. Know. Absolutely. I didn't want to take off too, uh, too early either. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the program the head football coach, Cleveland Heights High School, Max Stevens. Coach, good evening to you. Thanks so much for being with us. Good evening. Thank you for having me on. It's our pleasure to have you on, and we're delighted to know that one of your players is going to be heading to Morgantown to continue his football career and become a Mountaineer in Maurice Hamilton. We talked about it, obviously, when he committed recently. We'd love to get some insight into one big young man at 6'4", 345 pounds. What type of a player is West Virginia getting? Well, Big Mo, that's what we call him. He is um, one of the more dominant high school players I've ever coached. Um, I've coached over... I don't know, close to 200 guys that have uh, played Division One, and uh, he's one of the more dominant. Wow. 
That's a mouthful now. You just said you've coached a couple hundred that have played. What makes him different than all of the other very good players you've had? Well, it's not often that you uh, come across a guy 6'4", 340, that can move like he does. Um, in fact, this offseason he's trained with my uh, my son, who's a cornerback for the um, Washington football team in the NFL. And, uh, I mean, his footwork rivals his, believe it or not. I mean, I call him a dancing bear. <laughs> oh, we like that. We like that. Coach, I watched some of his video uh, online, and uh, probably some of it is system. I never saw him pass that once, but he was – I mean, the ultimate term road grader came to mind because big – you guys are obviously run-oriented, and he just plowed people. Is, is that a fair estimate? Yes, he um, he enjoys uh, pancaking people, as he calls it. So uh, he and I, we have a little system going where if he gets uh, seven or eight pancakes in a game and we win, then I have to take him to IHOP on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Oh, that's good. I like that. Yeah, that's, that's very good. well done. Yeah. Okay. How often have you been to IHOP? <laughs> oh, more than uh, I would like to admit. I mean, actually, it's, it's a good thing pretty much every Sunday. All right, so we've got a we've got a big dude. We got great size. We check that box. We check dominant. We check good footwork. What do you think he has to work on to continue that at the next level? Well, the, you know the, the the thing that a lot of people are wondering about is how is he with his pass pass blocking? Um, we we might throw the ball twelve to fifteen times a game, so you don't see a lot of that in his highlights. But uh, he's actually pretty good at it. Um, better than what, what I think people would uh, probably expect. Um, and then, you know, the other thing is just, you know, as dominant as he is, you know, I'm a coach that has high expectations, and I told him I just want him to be even more dominant than what he already is. Coach, uh, feeder systems produce players like this, so oftentimes you get an idea that you've got someone special heading your way. When did you first hear about Maurice? So I met Maurice in eighth grade. He came to our weight room. He was six foot two, three hundred and seventy pounds back then. Wow. <laughs> so we got him working out with us, and he got down to three forty before his um, first, or about three forty five before his first freshman practice. And after about two weeks of being on the freshman team, we moved him up to JV and varsity, and then eventually he just played varsity. So. When you talk about someone that's got such a great beginning structure to go with, what do you think he develops into, Coach, once he gets into the WVU weight room? Over time, what does he become? Well, I can see him. uh, He's going to be probably play at 310, 315. Um, I think when he gets in in their program where there's a little more structure, nutrition, and just being able to eat right um, around the clock. You know, it's – some sort of football pretty much every day. Um, I think that's going to be beneficial for him in a a major way. Northeast Ohio around Cleveland has produced a lot of very good football players over the years, and West Virginia's got its share, but let's face it, Ohio State, others get them as well. What was his college choices coming down? Who all was looking at him, and ultimately why West Virginia? So um, he actually had a visit scheduled to Purdue for June 25th, which we 
obviously canceled after he committed to West Virginia. Um, I had actually spoken to uh, Clemson's offensive line coach two weeks before the West Virginia visit. They were still keeping an eye on him um, in the event that uh, one of their scholarships opened up. Uh, Maryland had been in contact, spoke with Indiana recently, uh, a few other Big Ten schools, quite a few uh, MAC schools, Liberty, Marshall. Um, it was quite quite a few schools. You're interesting, man. I'm just doing a little little self scout on you. You know, you coaches are always <laughs> scouting. So you said he's among the best you've ever seen, and you've had a lot of them. Your son's in the yeah. NF. Your son's in the NFL. You played at Minnesota. Then you played in the NFL with the Vikings and the Jets. So you're not just Correct. you're not just some guy that just goes like, I think he's going to be a good player. I mean, you've seen the best of the best. Is is Maurice, did he fly a little bit under the radar in your opinion? Absolutely. I think last year with COVID, you know, we had a shortened season. I think we played six games, maybe seven games. Uh, we couldn't really prepare like we normally would. Uh, we had started out in the summer. Our school district shut us down. Then we started back up. We got shut down. So we never really got in the rhythm of just being able to get our players developed. Um, and, and even though he had a great season, I just think, you know, we weren't in the type of shape that we normally are. Whereas now, uh, like the big Mo, he, he, he's in phenomenal condition right now. Um, he's in the best shape he's ever been. He's stronger than he's ever been. Um, I think he, you know, he's almost bench pressing 400 pounds. Now he's squatting over 500. Um, and for a big man, you know, he conditions relatively easily so um i i just think this year we're going to see a guy that just plays at a different level for those reasons give us a little bit of his personality what's he like away from the field oh my gosh he's uh one of the biggest goofiest kids <laughs> uh in a, in a fun way he watches anime cartoons every day um just a happy-go-lucky kid he um you know, I told Coach Brown, he's the type of kid that you want in the locker room because he's going to um, help uh, build the culture in a positive way. That's fantastic stuff. That's really, really good insight. Um, what kind of a team are you guys set to have this year at Cleveland Heights? We should have a pretty good team. We have uh, 10 out of 11 offensive starters returning. Um, I have an offensive line on the high school level that Averages about 310 pounds from tackle to tackle. So I'm pretty excited about that. 215-pound um, tailback and a returning quarterback. So we're going to be in good shape. We got we got to fill some holes on defense, but but we have a lot of a lot of pretty good athletes. So I think uh, we should be okay. So Maurice, from what I saw, he looks like he's played mainly guard for you guys. Is that where he fits in in college as well? Is it? And have you ever played him any defensive line? Uh, we have not played him on the defensive line, but I think on the collegiate level, he'll definitely be a guard. Uh, he's always played left guard for us. I mean, he takes pride in it. A lot of times in high school, kids want to uh, insist that they're defensive linemen before an offensive lineman, but, but he swears he is an offensive lineman. So he's never, um, I think a couple times we put him on, on defense in short yardage situations, but, but this year he'll just be strictly offense for us. 
Outstanding insight. Uh, Mac, thank you so very much for your time. We hope you guys have a wonderful season, and uh, we look forward uh, to getting the dancing bear here in uh, here in Morgantown. We look forward to it. Thank you. I appreciate you guys right. so much. Yeah, you, you tell them there are two IHOPs in Morgantown yeah. now, so he, he, he doesn't have to stop. Trust me. He knows where they where they are. <laughs> hey, you know, hey Mac. One last thing. You know, with this name, image, and likeness stuff now, right? I could see a deal with him and IHOP, right? He's the pancake man. He's right, that's a deal. That's a good point. <laughs> All right, man. Take care. Thanks so much. All right. Take we'll care. See. You bet. There he is, Mac Stevens, head coach, Cleveland Heights High School. Well, that's some high praise. Yeah, so... And you said that well. A guy, I mean, he clearly knows what he's looking at there. Yes, yes. Not to not to uh, impugn any high school coaches. However, when you've got a coach who has played it and then lived it, right, in the NFL, and he says, that is one bad ombre right there. That's that's high praise. Take notice of that comment that's, right there. That's high praise. All right. We invite you to stay tuned. West Virginia has made an announcement. Men's soccer moving to Conference USA starting 2022. How did it happen? Shane Lyons, WV's athletic director, joins us when we return on the CityNet Statewide Sports Line. It seems like today everyone has an opinion on how to power America's electricity needs. Some want to see greater expansion of renewable energy sources like wind and solar. Some believe gas-fired power plants or even nuclear are the preferred method. Well, think about this. West Virginia's eight coal-fired power plants are modern electricity manufacturing facilities, providing reliable, secure, and affordable power. And they've been doing that for decades. These plants also support a strong and productive mining workforce. And when combined, the coal mining and power generation industries account for nearly 20% of our state's gross domestic product. Energy production is a critical issue. Severe weather, terrorism, and a reliable grid can certainly impact your ability to turn on the lights in your home or have power for your business. As the national debate over energy production intensifies, remember the importance and reliability of coal-fired electricity. A message from the West Virginia Coal Association. Who's a West Virginia game changer? It's an athlete, a band member, a babysitter, a National Honor Society member. Anyone can be a game changer. West Virginia's been hit hard by the opioid overdose epidemic and the broader addiction and mental health crisis which has impacted the youth in our state. West Virginia Game Changer is a comprehensive effort to support and encourage young people throughout West Virginia to build healthy, addiction-free lives. Become a game changer today. Visit wvgamechanger.com to learn more and share your story. What is Community Risk Reduction, or CRR as you've probably heard it? Community Risk Reduction means checking your smoke alarms to make sure they're working properly. It means having a plan in case of an emergency. It means being vigilant and checking on your neighbors. Community Risk Reduction is not a new program. It's a mindset change. If it's predictable, it's preventable. The CRR approach increases public safety because of the collective work with the community to understand, assess, and provide inclusive solutions to community safety issues. Brought to you by the Office of the State fire marshal the city net statewide sports line returns in two minutes on metro news the voice of west virginia 
Your source for news in the Mountain State is Metro News. Weekday mornings, start your day with the morning news. Three hours of the biggest stories across West Virginia, along with sports, weather, and more. Stay updated throughout the day with reports at half past each hour. And find all the info you need on your schedule at WVMetroNews.com. The news you want from the name you trust. Metro News. For 36 years, the voice of West Virginia. Hey there, Dave Weekly here. Metro News Hotline presents what's trending in sports, music, movies, tech, television, and more from a Mountain State point of view. Renowned local and national guests pepper the daily lineup with authoritative insights and commentary on a wide variety of topics from West Virginia high school sports to the financial markets. Join the fun. Every day, Coop and I dip into irreverent discussions with calls, texts, tweets, the question of the day, and the always popular in or out. Metro News Hotline, weekdays from 3 to 6 on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. News this morning. The biggest stories from around the state of West Virginia. When you want them. Chris Lawrence at the Anchor Desk. Jeff Jenkins brings you the day's headlines. A man wanted in connection with a Parkersburg murder is in custody. Police say Victor Lee Thompson of Parkersburg and his girlfriend were found hiding out in a cabin in Ritchie County on Saturday. Thompson allegedly killed 36-year-old Darren Salam on May 30th. Joe Bracato at the Sports Desk. Several future Mountaineers made their way to Morgantown over this past weekend. And that list includes Taze Valley Christian guard Josiah Davis. He's part of the class of 2022. He verbally committed to head coach Bob Huggins back in February. And Hoppy Kerchival's daily commentary. Humorist Will Rogers said, I belong to no organized party. I am a Democrat. That disorganization was on display last week when the West Virginia Democratic Party Executive Committee's virtual meeting turned chaotic. Metro News this morning. Listen where you get your favorite podcasts and online at WVMetroNews.com. Monday night on the CityNet Statewide Sports Line. Thanks so much for being with us with Greg Hunter and the Senator Brad Howe. Welcome back in. Coming up, Ray Lee is the South coach of the North-South Football All-Star Game, which is played this Saturday in Charleston. We'll talk with him coming up. But right now, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Director of Athletics, Associate Vice President, West Virginia Universities, Shane Lyons. Good evening to you, Shane. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you all? We're doing well. Uh, five gold stars to you and your department for the ability – to keep a secret. I mean, no one. I mean, absolutely no one had even heard a sniff of this. And you guys just kind of come out a little Monday. You know, they call that Brad a little Monday drop. Well, he, he just kind of I mean, Shane it really there. robbed us about three weeks worth of conjecture oh. and debate. And was it a good move? And should they live? You, you hosed us there a little bit, Shane. Well, I just, I wanted to, I want, I love surprises, guys. So <laughs> it's always getting nice to have a surprise. So the Mountaineer men's soccer team is going to become an official member of Conference USA starting 2022. Really super interesting. And obviously Marshall uh, represented the league as well as you can, winning the national championship this past season. But you've also got Kentucky, South Carolina, Coastal Carolina, along with West Virginia, all coming together. I'd love to know exactly how this thing happened, how long, firstly, I guess my question is, how long has this potential been discussed? Uh, you know, it actually started right after the first of the year, Tony. 
I uh, got a call from one of the athletic directors uh, in Conference USA asking about our interest. Um, it intrigued me. Uh, so we kind of started looking at, you know, the, our situation that we're currently in and kind of did some roadmaps of, you know, where we think we would be in the, in the MAC, where we'd be in Conference USA. And, you know, ultimately, you know, those discussions rose to a higher level you know, with some conversations with uh, President Gee and others to say, hey, this, this seems like a good move for us if we decide to do it. And uh, ultimately, that was our decision. So it, it's been ongoing now for, you know, a good six months. So what were the positives and then also negatives about this move? Were costs significantly more because of travel? No, you know, it's interesting, Greg. That was one of the, the things that we ran was the cost analysis of it. And when you really look at it, and, you know, it's not a guarantee, but you could have some travel partners in Conference USA. So when we travel, for example, to uh, South Florida, you, you could play Florida Atlantic on a Friday, turn around and play Florida International, you know, on a Sunday. So it's only one flight. Uh, so when you, you look at our current situation right now, you know, you're you're normally flying to northern Illinois. Uh, you know, you have some other bus trips. The, the other thing this gives us is that from a scheduling standpoint, you know, it allows us to have nine conference games where, you know, right now you're having five, you know, five, you know, say five conference games. So it allows you to, you know, from a scheduling standpoint, have that built in already. Uh, the other thing is the positive is my athletes are going to love me come November. Uh, <laughs> you know, you'd rather be in uh, somewhere down south rather than uh, in, in the up north area of northern Illinois or Ball State or somewhere like that. So, you know, that, not that that played a big part, but it is nice to to be able to know that you're you're traveling south in the winter, uh, November and, and late October months. Shane, the other interesting part of this from a competition standpoint and a uh, member of the league standpoint is now West Virginia and Marshall are now in the same conference here in soccer. And we know the two coaches, two head coaches have a history together, but now that takes on an interesting look, having Marshall and WVU be a league game. Yeah, you know, that that was interesting. Obviously, you know, we, we've tried to schedule Marshall in, in soccer in, in years past, and obviously we had him this year. I mean, if you look at it, we had uh, – you know, this year we, we had Marshall beat him at home one nothing, and I believe it was our first game, you know, uh, of the year. You know, we traveled to Charlotte and, and beat them 3 to nothing. Uh, both those teams ended up making it in the NCAAs, where we were unfortunate not to make it in the NCAAs this year. But, uh, you know, it's a strong league. You know, we feel it's, you know, the, it's getting stronger and, and adding Coastal Carolina to that mix, you know, in February – uh, was intriguing as well. So, you know, all in all, I, I think the future of the the soccer program can be, you know, stronger and stronger by, by joining Conference USA. WVU Athletic Director Shane Lyons is our guest. I've got to ask you. So, like, did the MAC have wind of this when West Virginia got uh, the absolute screw job applied to them not making the NCAA tournament? You think they kind of, like, yeah, yeah, you want to take West Virginia, that's fine. Did you get any support at all from the MAC? No, you know, and, and trying to think back, Tony, I'm not sure the dates that, you know, I, you know, in this business, you know, word gets out sometimes pretty quick. And 
you know, and I, I've known Commissioner Steinbrecher for a number of years, and what I didn't want it to to be is something that he heard through the grapevine that we were looking. So I don't remember. It, it was probably before that time that we were, you know, I, I alerted them that we were exploring other opportunities that obviously, you know, the decision to leave wasn't made, you know, officially until late last week. And then obviously we released it today. So, you know, I don't think that played a, a part in it. Um, you know, it's just the way they, they had structured it throughout the, the season. And, you know, we, we did feel like we did get the short end of the stick and not only from the Mac, but, you know, also from the NCAA committee in that selection process uh, of only, you know, selecting the 32 teams this year. So, you know, that, that's, that's where it is, but it, I don't know if it necessarily played any factor into it. And yeah, I did a little research. Men's soccer is, there's a lot of conference movement. Sunbelt's blowed up. Uh, <laughs> so that's why Coastal Carolina's coming in, but uh, Georgia State, Georgia Southern moving into the MAC. So th- there's a lot of wiggling. I don't, will the SEC ever have soccer? You only got two teams in that league. You were an SEC guy. Why, why don't they have more soccer, men's soccer in that league? Yeah, Shane, how come? Yeah, I wish I had the answer to that. You guys are asking the million-dollar question. Uh, you know, that's a good – you know, I, I don't think so, Greg. And, you know, sometimes I'm asked the question a lot of times, why didn't the Big 12 have, have soccer, uh, men's soccer? So, you know, it's kind of like in the state of Texas, it's a pretty big sport. And, and you know, the Big 12 schools don't sponsor it. And, you know, only the two schools of Kentucky and South Carolina sponsor it in the SEC. So, you know, I you know I don't feel that in the near future that you'll see, uh, you know, schools adding soccer, you know, to to their plate of sports they currently have. But you know, for us looking at the big picture and in the long term, you're right, Greg. There's been a, some movement in soccer, and this just gave us a, an opportunity to reevaluate, you know, where we stood. And the MAC has been a great home for us for nine years. This this year will be ten, 10 years, but you know, look at the future of our soccer program and, and the growth I, I think can come under Coach uh, Dan Stratford. You know, I felt this was the best move, you know, for the longevity of our, our men's soccer program. So you got conference realignment out of the way. Check that box. The COVID situation isn't what it was last year, so we got that kind of in the rearview mirror, hopefully. Shane, Shane eradicated COVID. He did. Took yeah. care of it as the head of the football oversight committee. Yeah. I assume you're working about half days, maybe an hour or two coming in in the morning. That's about what it is. I'm trying to get it all out of the way right now, Brad. Uh, How about – okay, serious part of this question. NIL, where's that on your to-do list, worry list, think about list as we head here as we get close to July 4th? Um, I think the list, I'm going to be, uh, you know, the guy that thinks the, the, the sky's falling here with name, image, likeness coming on board. We, we got to be prepared for it. We got to educate our student athletes. Um, you know, I, I think it's, you know, moder- modernizing our, our legislation that allows our student athletes to, to be able to benefit off their name, image, likeness. But the, you know, the, the questions that are out there, how many are going to take advantage of it? Um, you know, uh, right now there's appears to, to be those who think there's a lot going to take advantage of it. And then there's some, a little bit like me that's saying, you know, I'm a little bit more skeptical of saying, you know, are the student athletes in, in, large numbers, uh, uh, you know, some will take advantage, but in large numbers, are they really going to maximize, you know, that to their, their best of potential? It's a job. 
it's going to take time. And most of it's going to be through social media platforms. And, and are they going to take the time and energy to, to monetize that? that? That's still the question that's out there. You are about to take over as the chairman of the NCAA Division I Council in perhaps the most turbulent time in the organization's history. What do you hope during your watch you guys are able to accomplish? That I don't screw it up. <laughs> hey, don't worry about that. It's already screwed up. You can't make it worse. You can't make it worse. Don't worry about it. You know, I, you know again, I, I think it's, it's moving things at a little bit faster pace, uh, trying to identify those issues ahead of time. The NCAA has always been reactionary to, to many, many issues that we could have probably been out front on. Uh, we, we haven't really done a good job as an association telling our side of the story. We've let others tell the story, and, and sometimes that's not completely accurate. So, you know, there's a lot of issues that's facing the NCAA now. You know, Brad just mentioned it, name, image, likeness. You have, you know, the transfer, and the transfer portal. Is that going to remain high numbers as we go in? To um, you, you have the uh, Austin case and, and the you know amateurism, what that's going to look like, which that should come out you know the Supreme Court sometime, hopefully you know the next couple of weeks, and that's really going to be you know telling the future of what intercollegiate athletics is going to look like. Yeah. You know, I, I can tell you guys that you know the model that some are you know asking for, where student athletes become employees. I just don't see that in the future of the NCAA. Um, that's something that the membership is is not interested in, uh, of having student athletes, you know, become employees. And you know, a lot of people want to focus on, you know, the two revenue sports, men's basketball and and football, and, and really don't look at, you know, how this really impacts your Olympic sports. And you know, we're we're you know, we have 18 sport programs here at West Virginia, and and two of them make money and two of uh, the other 16, you know, obviously have a cost associated with those to run those programs. And, you know, I don't want to give up opportunities to have, you know, young people, you know, play the sports that they actually love. Yeah. Shane, we appreciate the time and uh, we'll can, we'll all looking at uh, how this whole thing plays out. It's going to be fascinating next several months as all these decisions start to come down. Appreciate it. All right, gentlemen, take care. Let's right. go Mountaineers. Thank you, buddy. Take care. There he is, WVU's Shane Lyons, WVU's men's soccer team on its way to Conference USA starting 2022. Stay with us. When we come back, the head coach of the South team for this weekend's North-South football game, Ray Lee of Greenbrier East, joins us on the CityNet Statewide Sports Line. Who's a West Virginia game changer? It's an athlete, a band member, a babysitter, a National Honor Society member. Anyone can be a game changer. West Virginia's been hit hard by the opioid overdose epidemic and the broader addiction and mental health crisis which has impacted the youth in our state. West Virginia Game Changer is a comprehensive effort to support and encourage young people throughout West Virginia to build healthy, addiction-free lives. Become a Game Changer today. Visit wvgamechanger.com to learn more and share your story. 
What is community risk reduction, or CRR as you've probably heard it? Community risk reduction means checking your smoke alarms to make sure they're working properly. It means having a plan in case of an emergency. It means being vigilant and checking on your neighbors. Community risk reduction is not a new program. It's a mindset change. If it's predictable, it's preventable. The CRR approach increases public safety because of the collective work with the community to understand, assess, and provide inclusive solutions to community safety issues. Brought to you by the Office of the State Fire Marshal. Hogging the internet is your right. You should be able to stream video, access cloud applications, and download large files as much as you want. But without fiber, the internet can be frustrating. So get CityNet's fiber optic network. It's the fastest internet available. It's thousands of times faster than those little piggies and has the best reliability with virtually unlimited bandwidth. So go ahead. It's okay. Hog the internet. Get the fastest internet on a network that's built to last. Visit internethog.com. The CityNet Statewide Sports Line returns in two minutes on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. Hey everybody, it's Tony Caridi. And I'm Brad Howe. And that makes two of the three guys that bring you the podcast entitled Creatively Enough. Three guys before the game. It's our opportunity to really drill down on WVU football and basketball. We break down the opponent and then review every single game. We'll give you some numbers. We'll bicker back and forth. We'll take your calls, your texts, your tweets, and get into some of your questions. And we invite you to join us each and every episode at Three Guys Before the Game from Metro News. Nobody covers West Virginia like Metro News. Start each weekday at 6.06 a.m. with the morning news. Veteran anchors Chris Lawrence and Jeff Jenkins deliver the day's biggest stories, along with in-depth reports from Alex Thomas and Jake Flatley. The morning news also brings you the latest in sports from Kyle Wiggs, Hoppy Kerchival's daily commentary, and the entertainment report. Get your news from the names you know and trust on the Metro News Radio Network and at WVMetroNews.com. Hi, I'm Brad Howe, and I invite you to check out our new podcast, The Game Within the Game, presented by DraftKings. Each week, I'll be joined by DraftKings experts as we dive into the NFL, college football and basketball, the NBA, and Major League Baseball with actionable information you can use. We'll look at everything, including player props, DFS plays, and the latest odds boost to help you find an edge. The Game Within the Game, presented by DraftKings, is available everywhere you get your podcasts and at WVMetroNews.com. Your source for what's happening in West Virginia is WVMetroNews.com. Get the latest statewide news, sports reports from WVU, Marshall, and your local high school teams. Explore the great outdoors with Chris Lawrence. Read Hoppy Kirchival's daily commentary. And catch up on your favorite Metro News programs and podcasts. Stay informed anytime, anywhere with WVMetroNews.com. Metro News, for 36 years, the voice of West Virginia. Final segment here on the CityNet Statewide Sports Line. Busy Monday. We are now joined by the head football coach of the South team for this coming Saturday's North-South Football All-Star Game, which we played in Charleston. Coach Ray Lee joins us. Coach, good evening to you. Thanks so much for being with us. Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to have you on, and I would imagine when you finally settled in, as everyone reported to camp, you finally shrugged your shoulders and said, Finally, right? You were supposed to do this last year before COVID 
postpone the game. So this has kind of been like a two-year process? Yes. It, you know, it was really unfortunate, and you know, what happened last year. And I've always felt bad for those young men that didn't get to participate, you know, in a once-in-a-lifetime event for them. But, again, you know, to get selected to do it, you know, the next year uh, and get to select some uh, some great young men again, uh, that was an honor and a blessing to get to do this, um, you know, again, to pick a roster twice. What intrigues you to spend your time to do this? What do you like about this aspect of having an all-star game like this? You know, it gives, um, one, you know, the young men another another chance to play their final game. Some of them, this may be their last game, and some, you know, a final game that they didn't get to play, uh, you know, during the regular season or in the playoffs and, you know, quite make it as far as they would like. And, and you know, and it gives them another shot um, to get out and have some fun. And, and, you know, and basically come down and build some friendships uh, with people they didn't, they either played against, didn't know, and, and, and these friendships, you know, you hope will last a lifetime for them. Ray, how hard is it to put in systems when you only have, a, I guess, a week to work with them, players coming from all kinds of different systems? Um, just come in, I, you know, and I'll just say what we've done. We just came in with a keep it simple, you know, Susie. <laughs> um, type attitude. <laughs> we don't. We don't want to, you know, overcomplicate things. We want the guys to have fun and and you know still have, um, you know, something effective and and not predictable. So we can we can go out and execute and, and play fast and like I said and have fun. I know the week's just getting started here. What was the agenda like today? What do you have on schedule tonight? What's coming up? Um, you know, we had two practices today. Actually, we had two yesterday. And had two practices today and, and um, this evening after this practice and dinner, you know, the young men are going to uh, both teams, uh, going to, uh, to the movie theater uh, to check out some movies this evening just for relaxation. And, you know, it's a nice week, uh, you know, on the itinerary. You know, I think um, Coach Mullet, the director, and, and, and Coach Mar- Montgomery, uh, the assistant director, they do a great job in planning this and, and it's basically a week of just activities for the young men, not just football. We're talking with Ray Lee. He's the head coach of the South team, the North-South football all-star game this coming weekend. My goodness, you're getting ready for your 10th season as the head coach at East. Playoffs fit night in 2015, 2018, 2019. So you've got that thing rolling there. You made a really good point. And I've talked to several folks that have played in this game many, many years after they played in it. And they do say, believe it or not, in the course of one week, the relationships that they make, they truly do become long, long-term relationships. That's so interesting that it happens like that. And I think um, what it is, is is the bonding time that they have, you know, staying together in the dorm, eating breakfast and lunch and dinner, going out to practice twice a day, and it's total strangers. You know, when I say total strangers, not their classmates that they used to, someone they grew up with, and then they get to see something and some other people that's different from the ones that they've been so used to. And and then they just pretty much bond like that, and, and it lasts a lifetime. And, you know, and again, with how social, social media is now, it's easy for them to text, stay in touch that way. You know, I don't know all the other things they do with the – uh, Snapchat and all of that. But. <laughs> you got it. You're on it. You're, you're, you're on it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 
but they that that's how they you know stay in touch. And, and most of these guys are going to end up playing college ball together. So it's given them an opportunity um, now to see what it's going to be like, you know, with a teammate now, and then it's going to be their teammate, classmate, you know, throughout the college uh, career. Yeah. Well, listen, have a fantastic week. We wish you guys all of the best, and uh, it's a great commitment that you guys have and all the staff and the folks that put this thing together each and every year. So we wish you the absolute best. I appreciate it. just want to say thank you to um, my coaching staff that's here with me and, and, and really say hello to everyone back in Greenbrier County. Hopefully we can represent them well in the whole Greenbrier County community. All right, you got a deal. Thanks a bunch. We do appreciate it. Okay, thanks a lot. Take care. And there are three members of Coach Lee's Greenbrier East team that are going to be playing on that squad. So uh, that should be be neat. All right, before we go away here, heavy weather has moved into Morgantown. Once again, we turn it over to our high school softball regional, high school baseball regional weather center with the senator. Senator, you have your radar on over there. What's going on? We've got rain and hail postponing, delaying the games that were in progress here in Morgantown. On the softball side, John Marshall was leading UHS, University High, 2-0. That game suspended in the fifth. On the baseball side, Morgantown High and Bridgeport, 0-0. That one suspended in the third. So that front moved in, and it was loud. We could hear it outside our studios here. So softball, baseball regionals suspended for tonight. If you want to see how hard it's raining, I mean, this is like out of a bad movie. On Twitter, Greg Carey, who was covering the game, his Twitter handle is G Carey, C-A-R-E-Y, the number 938. G Carey, C-A-R-E-Y, 938. He posted the video. I mean, it looks like something like War of the Worlds kind of rain just came through there and just it, it was as Coach Hunter would say, it blowed right into the dugout, Coach Hunter. It did. Send kids scurrying. They're pretty good. Hopefully yeah. everybody's okay. But, yeah, washing out baseball as we headed into the first day of the regionals. Mountaineer alum Alec Manoa on the bump this evening as the Blue Jays take on the Boston Red Sox. Senator, what's the uh, over-under on the strike total? Yeah, how about him? Two of his first four starts, he gets Yankee Stadium, and then he gets Fenway Park, and sure. he's getting another good-hitting team in the Red Sox. They've adjusted that strikeout line. We were on it last time. They've bumped it. Five and a half is the over-under number. What are you going to do with it? I'm not touching it. Too hot for Plus you. Plus money for the over, but I'm going to stay off that. You're just, you're just I'm just going to watch the game tonight Just as a watch fan. the contest. Yes. You got anything for us tonight? Uh, anything special? Yeah, he asked me too fast, but I can't pull it up. Oh, what? I can't get it. I can't get to it fast enough. Well, we do know this. Javon Carter is going to the finals of the Western Conference in the NBA. How nice is that? Suns are rolling. Ooh, They're good yes now. Yes, they are. Got some injuries over there on the eastern side for the Nets. Huh? Kyrie Irving down. He's in question. James Harden out. So the big threes down to the big one. Oh, the boy. Here we go. Thanks for being with us. We're back again tomorrow night. CityNet, statewide sports line over and out. The CityNet Statewide Sports Line is an exclusive production of the Metro News Radio Network. All rights reserved.
You can listen to us on the go. Good weather and time off from school? It's time to get the ball rolling on planning a fabulous summer. Whether it's a family vacation at the beach or throwing the best wedding ever, a personal loan from Delta Community Credit Union is the perfect fit to make your summer dreams come true. Delta Community offers low-rate personal loans that give you next-day access to the money you need for whatever you want, even paying off high-interest debt. Talk to the folks at Delta Community Credit Union today or learn more at deltacommunitycu.com slash personal loans. Delta Community is federally insured by the NCUA. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Are you ready to take a journey? Let's connect with the healers of the world. It's that time. It's time for the language of healing on W4CY Radio and Talk 4 TV. Now here's your host, emotional wisdom training specialist, Nicole Fortin. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us today on the language of healing. Today we have a great show as always, and our theme is around harmony is a lifestyle. So I want you to just take a moment and settle in to your body. You know, feel your sit bones, have your spine lengthen and just take a deep breath in and let it out slowly and gently. And I just want to bring to your attention or food for thought today is what does harmony mean to you? What does harmony mean to you? And harmony to me means it's more of a state to me, like of balance and resonance, this cohesive togetherness, like a big orchestra playing this magnificent song that's all harmonious and powerful and gentle. And it's got all of the mixes. It reminds me as well of the Taiji, which is the symbol you might have seen, um, the white and the black circle with the dots in the middle. So that in traditional Chinese medicine, we use uh, as as a symbol of balancing yin and yang. And that's what it ultimately comes down to is finding the balance where they're working together, they're mutually dependent on each other, reliant, and they support each other's growth and also control each other. So there's not excesses or deficiencies. They're very harmonious and balanced. And from that, there's this great sense of peace that comes with it. And peace, you know, not not in the world peace sense like the very superficial but peace in the way that it's this total stillness and comfort in your body and and in relation to your your environment so we're looking today at external environments internal environments how we can blend them together what it really means to be in community and having that full ecosystem approach where 
there's all these moving parts that have to come together to create the whole. And what does that really mean? It's, it is a lifestyle. It's not a one and done. It's not you go into some, you know, see some practitioner or, you know, go to your doctor and, and it's all fixed. This is something that you need to bring back into your everyday and incorporate that into your life um, to find that state of, of balance and harmony and peace. And today I'm very excited because our guest is a good friend of mine, known her for many years. We actually trained together uh, for traditional Chinese medicine and acupuncture training. So let's welcome our guest, Dr. Rose Galikas. She is a doctor of acupuncture, registered acupuncturist and bachelor of kinesiology. Hi, Rose. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, I just thought this conversation is right up your alley, mm -hmm. and I wanted to, you know, just open open the floor to that. So maybe tell us a little bit about what you're what you're up to today, or not today, but these days, <laughs> and how this works in your life and with your patients. Yeah. So. Um... A year and a half ago, I opened up a clinic called The Way Holistic Collective. And um, this concept of harmony as a lifestyle or this connection to balance was, you know, a huge part of the foundation of opening up this space. And um, I know that it's, uh, it's a term that people almost see as a destination. Um, I, oh, I can't wait to be balanced. I can't wait to be in harmony. And um, I just really like, I mean, over these past like years of practicing uh, and then now opening up the clinic and, you know, just connecting with a lot more people, I, I really realized, you know, harmony, it's not just like what we attain to be. We attain to be harmonious or we attain to be peaceful. It's actually a lifestyle. So um, I kind of like really have been focusing that. It's been a huge part of the message I'm trying to get out there. Um, I would say for sure, like this past January on, uh, just, you know, moving through what's been going on in the world even and understanding that there's so many moving parts, but to have harmony, you have to have it in all areas of your life. So not only what you're getting uh, when you come for a treatment, so when you come to see someone like you or I, but also uh, what you're doing at home, how you're connecting with nature, um, you know, relating with the season that we're in, um, how, what you're eating, you know, all these different factors. And so I think that harmony as a lifestyle and uh, really attaining balance in the system is something that is hard work <laughs> and it always changes. And sometimes balance is 80-20 and sometimes it's 50-50 and sometimes it's 60-40. So it's a really hard concept to uh, be a consistent because it's always changing as you change. And so I love how you were saying for you what Harmony was like this orchestra. Um, and I, I love that because I really find that Harmony is all these moving parts. So all of these instruments and, you know, all of these things coming into play to create this level of peace and this level of beauty. And um, I, yeah, I think that um, there's many ways to attain that. And I think that there's many aspects and it's, it's really personal too, which I find super beautiful because you also get to be really unique in it. You get to, you know, show yourself um, and, you know, speak your, your own truth or authenticity within that space of harmony too. So um, it can become really creative as well, which I completely love too. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we're always like moving and evolving. It reminds mm -hmm. me when we were in school studying and, you know, we have those little charts. It's like, <laughs> essentially you want to get like, you know, you don't want anything too excess or too deficient. You want this nice yeah. even balance. And I posed the question of like, does balance even exist? Is it something that we even like, but <laughs> I think yes. And it takes work, like you said. So it's not a destination. It's really how you meet every day and every moment. Do you, do you meet it in like that reactive kind of excessive way or back down, mm. you know, or do you like meet it? That might be a bit deeper, but I think given that your, the name of your clinic is the way, um, which is, is based on, I believe the, the Taoism mm -hmm. philosophies of the Tao, meaning the way, which means, you know, for those of you who don't know how to live the whole name of the game is how to live in accordance with nature. So there's no, it's cohesiveness. So your body is changing with the season, changing with the weathers and the years and yeah. So it's really the journey. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's really about like a resiliency, you know, and adaptation. And I think that, you know, sometimes being in harmony is, it's hard and sometimes it's really easy. When I named the clinic The Way, I I just felt like it was so beautiful because it speaks to everybody having their own story or their own journey. And I really wanted the idea of harmony to also be so unique to everybody. So when you come into the clinic or when you come in for care, you get to be authentically you. And sometimes that's out of harmony and out of balance. And sometimes it's, you know, perfectly balanced, being super preventative and just needing support. And I think that that's one thing that we all need. We all need support. We all need love. We all need compassion. And when we don't have that, that's when harmony, I find, like, really gets out of balance. And it's really so much harder to attain when we're not having that level of support from the community around us. And so I really loved, um, you know, creating this clinic, even during something as intense as a pandemic, because I've still been able to create community when everyone can't be around each other. And so that's been really powerful because, as you know, the way or the Tao is everything and nothing. <laughs> so it really, it is whatever you want it to be. And so sometimes it's everything and it's chaotic and it's insane. And sometimes it's nothing and it's peaceful and there's contentment. And sometimes it's those in the same day, right? So I think that um, the concept of the way and it being this collective where people get to, you know, really strive for this harmony um, is something that I'm truly really proud of because I don't think we have a lot of outlets like that in the world and I think to be able to you know um, have a place where you can go but then also you know other people you found like after the same truth you know after the same understanding and, and want in life I I find like that's like um, there's potency in numbers too right and in a community yeah I have this image of you know like a blazing forest fire mm -hmm. that it's like chaotic, like that would be pretty non-harmonious, right? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but it is because, and then I love what you say about your, you know, the, the space you've created that you can show up just as you are, whether that's like the raging forest fire or the, the calm, cool waters. But the idea is even if you come in as that, you know, out of control fire, there's 
the boundary and the community of like, you know, the fire people that come in and put mm -hmm. the water out, like help tame it, balance it. And I mean, in Chinese medicine, that's, that's how we kind of regulate things a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Like the, like you were talking about at the beginning, like that really that yin and yang symbol. We are both. And so just honoring both sides of your personality too. Like, I mean, that's really where we create a lot of harmony. And like we said, like we're connected to nature. And so I really find that, especially I think in North America, we're so secular. Like we don't really connect anything to anything else other than our personal experience and our perspective. And I think that a lot of people, um, you know, we are searching for more. We're searching for a deeper meaning in the things that we're doing or an understanding of why our body acts a certain way in the spring versus in the fall versus in the summer. And um, I think this parallel of this connection to nature and floating with the seasons and floating with the world around us, I think only allows us to have a better harmony or a better balance as well, because we're not fighting it. And I think sometimes we wonder like, why don't I feel my best? Or why, why does the same things always happen to me? And, you know, I think it's met with a lot of resistance. And like we said, like there is this devotion to harmony or this hard work in it, but it also comes like with a lot of flow and ease based on, you know, just trust ourselves and using that intuition as our guide as well so when you look outside like today in Calgary it's actually really like moody and rainy and gloomy you know so to feel that you may also feel that way it makes sense you know instead of fighting it like oh I should always be happy it's Monday it's a fresh start to the week I should be productive you know like it's moody and it's rainy so maybe you are too and that's okay or you want to be more cozy right so maybe have warmer beverages today than you would when it was 32 last week you know, so I think that connection to nature and really like looking outside, oh my goodness, it's a full moon. I feel like I can pull an all-nighter, <laughs> you know, it's a new moon. I really just want to like, you know, go to bed and sleep for 12 hours. And so, you know, like understanding how we relate to the world around us, like, you know, cosmically, but also just like stepping outside. Um, I think that that is something that has been massively powerful to me is, you know, just really connecting with the world around me in a way that um, there's no judgment. And I'm just seeing it for what it is and absorbing the energy around me. Um, it, it creates way more of a flow instead of a resistance, which I think, I mean, as we learned that, you know, the balance schedule equal this, this, you know, it's constantly more of like a rolling hill, you know, those straight lines. So your questions were always good that way because it's so much deeper than just like the scientific value of a chart, right? <laughs> like charts are really cute and they're neat, but they are not functional outside of theory. Well, yeah, it's like learn just straight from the books, right? Because then you bring in the element of like, we are living human like beings, you know, we're constantly changing our frequencies mm -hmm. are, are, you know, in influencing like just as much of our day in our life as like the outside world. So you said something quite interesting when when we were talking um, before we meeting today, mm -hmm. and how you've noticed that a lot of people are are searching, you know, for that balance or harmony in relation to you know who they are, like where you know who, or you said something about that, like where they want to mm -hmm. go, what they want to do, what they want to be, and it's like how can you show up more as yourself within all the dynamics of 
of that because and I'm also reminded sorry not to tangent but it's all like mm-hmm. connected and in emotional wisdom training we have this principle that's like awareness with acceptance creates an awakening so if you ha- you're aware that is you know moody skies and you're in resistance of like I don't know if this is a good example because mm-hmm. you know but forcing a smile like is that is that a natural flow you know like that you're showing up as like full sunshine when when the natural energies are maybe saying like oh just take it easy today have some tea you know it's okay to to be kind of you know more in the neutral zone so um yeah so what are you maybe like you know what are your tips or pointers when you're meeting someone who's wanting to explore more of this like how they can be more harmonious with their their life yeah i think that um going through anything radical whether that be uh something in your personal life whether that be a global pandemic whether that be um you know something happening to your health i think it is a fire starter to understand where you're going wrong and how to bring yourself into a place where like you can find peace and joy and contentment and harmony no matter what's going on and so i almost feel like that's the revolution right now for a lot of people where they're like okay you know at the end of the day what is it that i what is the life i want to live what what are my desires um how can i speak my truth how can i authentically be me and find joy and peace and harmony in all that i do and i feel like that is uh, you know, a very foundation of my practice is um, I love what you said about that awareness because um, I really do believe that knowledge is power and knowing more about your body. So knowing and understanding like, oh my goodness, like I couldn't sleep that night, but oh, it was a full moon. You know, having that understanding of the world around us, I think, you know, can help you understand what's going on in your system. When we know what's going on in our system, it's so much easier to accept it instead of feeling like your body is working against you instead of working with you. And so um, I think, yeah, the number one thing um, I believe is, is really just connecting back to nature. So pay attention to the things around you. You know, I think that for me, um, I, I grew up going to the mountains. We're in Calgary, Alberta. So we're like an hour away from, I believe, like the Mecca of the world of the mountains. Like we're just so lucky here. There's so much energy. There's so much vibrancy in the mountains. They are so magical. And I grew up doing that all the time. We would hike, we'd cross country ski, we'd camp. And then I thought, like, why would my parents do that to me? And why can't I hang out with my friends on the weekend? And then going into high school and going into my 20s, I, I almost, like, pushed nature away. I pushed away being outside. I wanted to be in the city all the time. I was going to school. I was working, you know, all these different things. And I lost that connection. And I found that I, you know, never had these hobbies that brought me joy. I would just go to school, then work, then carry on. And I was, you know, reaching these goals that I thought were things I wanted to do, but like, I wasn't really happy. I wasn't really finding this like pure expression of myself. 
And so, I mean, luckily by, you know, falling in the path of this medicine, like you're forced to face a lot of things you're not facing. <laughs> so you go to school for four years, you think you're going to be this awesome practitioner, but you just go through therapy for four years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Like in yeah. criminal medicine, you're like, oh my God. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. so I didn't know that I am going through therapy. So yeah. you find all these things where you've been pushing away or, you know, um, really, you know, getting away from that are so pure and that are so beautiful to your growth and, and, and how you feel the best that you can act and possibly feel. And then, you know, I kind of came through to, um, my thirties and I just realized I had the best childhood. Like I, we cooked all of our food from scratch. Like, you know, I was really connected to what we were eating, why we were eating it you know, being in the woods all the time and in the mountains. And so, you know, once I you know, hit my thirties, like, so for the last five years, like that is like this massive part of who I am now. And it always was, but I just, I lost my harmony. I lost my balance. I was so focused on all these other things and goal setting and attaining these certain things, but I forgot what really matters. And that was me, my harmony, you know, and like this idea of, really finding my my path with nature and so i think mine is you know and we're so lucky here we just get to go to the mountains whenever we want you can go it every day if you want and i was just camping all weekend you know it's just you know there's something so divine about that connection but even for you know someone who lives in the city and they don't have the luxury that we have here take off your shoes and go outside and put your feet on the ground. Like we don't even often do that, especially if you live somewhere where it's cold, like you are wearing shoes, you're wearing layers, like you're actually never getting to get that like authentic level of just grounding. And so there's been tons of articles now just about grounding, like where, you know, a lot of places in Japan, they have parks where people go at lunch and they just sit underneath trees. And that is like so therapeutic for their health. So I think that, you know, if, if we talk about little things to add harmony in our life, you have a crazy day at work, go in your backyard and take off your shoes and just stand in the grass. You know, I think that alone can be super powerful. And then another big one for me always is water. And so I think, you know, we're made of 70% water. So if we think about that connection to everything around us and that, that fluidness, that flow, if you are hydrated, if you're drinking enough water, you're filling that tank filled with yin, with water. And so most of our day is really young in nature. So we're constantly, you know, this creative brain, analytical brain going, doing our jobs, having conversation. And then really where we drop into yin is when we sleep. It's those, you know, delta brain waves, but more so we know is when you have treatments, you drop into theta. So that can be really more yin based. But I think to, you know, have this balance in day to day, everything is really young. So when we bring yin in, so when we even just bring drinking water, in, you know, even that like two liters of water a day, like platform, that's when you need way more harmony too. I'll even hear people say to me, I had two cups of coffee today, no water, and I feel frustrated. 
you know, like I feel like I'm going a million miles a minute. It's like drink water, like even creating that little bit of harmony in our actions and these little things we do and the bigger concept being our life and our happiness and our joy and our peace. But even just like looking at the things that we're doing, you know, okay, I, I was on the computer all day. What would be the balance to being on the computer all day? you know, not being on the computer all day, closing my eyes, being Stretching. having to be engaged, touching, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, even though those little things I feel like are everything. And a big thing for me over this past year has really been saying to people like, what, what can you do five minutes a day that creates more mindfulness for you? And so if you think about something like even just water and, and standing in soil or putting your feet in water, like being able to go to a creek or, you know, there's tons of city parks or again, being able to go to the mountains and putting your feet in like glacier cold water, like that is like, you know, it speaks for itself. I feel like we have these concepts that we try to explain, but like the, the deep connection to having that feeling, I think is, you know, I think we've lost sight of it a lot and we don't talk about it a lot in western you know um especially north america i find it's very like go to work do this go to bed and we've lost a lot of connection to who we are and and what can really bring us peace and i often say for everybody it's different you know um sometimes peace may be you know journaling and and getting everything you need out on paper so it gets out of your body um for other people it's a run and, and sometimes those are different in that day. <laughs> As we've kind of been saying, you know, harmony as a lifestyle is, I think, just such an important statement because that lifestyle is unique to you. And same thing with the way. The way is your journey. So your journey and the season of your life will be different than other seasons that need different things from you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know... In the, on the theme of Chinese traditional Chinese medicine, I found that really what it's therefore is to remind us, you know, of how to oh, rectify itself, right? It's like a self self correction, and you know, like you say, you you were this part of nature. You grew up with that. That was you know your formative years, and then to disassociate from it for a little bit, but then to re come back into it it's like the remembering of that or when you put your feet on the ground it's like this visceral cellular remembering that there's mm -hmm, mm -hmm. necessarily words to it i agree with you and that's that's the Tao. that's the way nothing and everything and what the minute you put a word to it 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 limits it it condenses it but nature and i mean our just everything about us is so spacious and expansive mm -hmm. and you know, allowing ourselves to grow and heal in that. I don't know if you find this, but you know, working with someone who's having a difficult recovery, like say after a surgery or, mm -hmm. or even like a heartbreak, you know, mm -hmm. this, like this, the recovery time around that can be a little bit, um, what's the word, uh, like disheartening, but um, disappointing, you know, it's like, why aren't mm -hmm. I better yet? Why, why do I do all these things? You know, and, and I know my body's doing what it needs to, but it's just a little bit slow. And mm -hmm. there's that resistance, you know. Um, but yeah, with the awareness, just more information, it's like, oh, actually, my body is like, essentially, like wound healing, growing another limb, almost, you know, mm -hmm. um, it's pretty amazing. And 
things take time, right? Like a, a season, a year, these are all big cycles that, I don't know, I'm just thinking of being easy on ourselves and not being so you know, hard, absolutely. right? Mm -hmm. I think that um, when we say something like, oh, uh, there's no diets, it's a way of life that you eat, that can also feel daunting, <laughs> right? Because people right. want yeah. a quick fix, you know? Yeah. And so I always, um, for a long time, I've always said to, you know, people that come and see me, like, what, what is it that you wish to have? You know, after all of this, after what we're doing, and, you know, I'd say 90% of the time, people still say, I want to be happy. And I really feel that what I strive to support people through is not happiness, but peace. And I think that you can still be peaceful and be heartbroken. You can yeah. still be peaceful and have like massive excitement and joy. But I think like if we try to always find peace in our lives through these little tools, whether it be water, stretching, you know, deep breathing, just like taking big, deep belly breaths, um, connecting with nature, you find like this harmony connection to peace that it, it feels really, really resilient. Like you feel like you can get through anything, you know? And I think that, you know, uh, striving towards happiness, like happiness, I, I really feel is like a state. And so I think that when we can have peace in our life, that a container like in Buddhist philosophy, it, very different from what I grew up thinking is like emptiness. And so, you know, I really thought emptiness meant we don't have anything and that is sadness. And really like this Buddhist philosophy of emptiness is actually an empty room to fill up with nothing else in it that's taking away from the space that you want to put in. And so I always come back to that, you know, emptiness and peace actually allows for us to create anything that we want. And so that attainment of almost like that emptiness or that peace, I think is, oh my goodness, it changes all of the time. <laughs> you know, you can be feeling all the peace when you leave and then you get in your car and someone cuts you off or there's traffic and then it like goes out the window. <laughs> but, you know, then you're like, okay, what, okay, how can I get back to it? You know, <laughs> so I think that that's always what I've seen as, you know, more of a deeper foundation than something like happiness, which changes so often, like we're saying, um, an accident or heartbreak, you know, like you, those things aren't mutually exclusive. You can still have centeredness and harmony and still be heartbroken. And I think sometimes when we think, oh, I want to be happy again, it means that we're forgetting about things that were a loss of someone that we love or, um, you know, uh, an honoring of a, a certain trauma in our life that, you know, we think that, oh, when I become happy, that means I forget about it. And I really feel like that's not what it is at all. And I think that that's another big piece into feeling that we're creating this harmony or this harmony being a lifestyle is that, um, you know, we're always, you know, changing and evolving and every part of our experience matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It makes up everything that we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a really good point because I think we tend to do, okay, going, putting your feet in water, feet on the ground, um, you know, heading out in nature. These are all great, things journaling but there's other vices you know other things coping mechanisms that will will take on to try to bring some balance to mm -hmm. the game right um 
so retraining or just having an awareness like what am i doing that for you know what else could i might be able to do that would maybe support me better give me that vitality or that strength and resiliency back mm-hmm. and but the it's like the bypassing it's like you know okay i had this traumatic experience or or i have this history like or not history but just something that's up that's traumatic and instead of just pushing it away because that's Mm -hmm. like resistance to it and then okay if only when this happens I'll be happy but there's like a huge gap there you know and I just see it like harmony is like blending it together it's like the yin and the yang the tai ji and really being okay to to own it you know encompass it it doesn't mean that it's forever either right like we know things are always moving and changing and just as temporary. Absolutely. The only constant is there is no constant. Right. I always say to myself, I'm like, oh, okay. So you, the feeling that you feel right now and whether that be like bliss or like accomplishment, like that's going to change because right. you're going to also go on to something else and be like, oh, well, I, that was miserable. Oh my goodness. I thought that I had that covered and I really don't. <laughs> and then something else is going to happen. Right. So I think like understanding I think like the analogy of, you know, diets or food, I think, I think a lot of people can relate to of, you know, when someone says like, you know, it's not about diets, it's about changing how you view food. You know, and I think um, I love the I, I love the concept of food because we have to eat every day. So it affects everybody, you know, and so I think that um that idea of when people are like, no, like when I think about what I'm putting into my body, um, that is who I am, you know, and we see it more now where people are eating based on a cause, right? Or people are in many different factors, whether and how people are getting their food, you know, Um, and they're eating with um, a lot of, you know, politically infused, you know, revolutions. And so I think that it's really interesting, even just that alone, where like you start to see that like what you're putting into your body is a lifestyle based on all the factors. And I think that that can be really powerful because I think it's just really important to see that um, everything around us contributes to who we are, you know? And when we say, yeah, that harmony is a lifestyle, I think that it's, you know, what we're eating, uh, the thoughts that we're telling ourselves, um, it's the care that we're receiving, uh, it is our relationships around us, it, it's really and truly everything. And I think that, you know, you can kind of see almost like the hierarchy, you know, like the square, um, that hierarchy like often changes. And so what is our priority for these things? And, you know, what's at the bottom? Sometimes it flips, <laughs> you know, and I think that you can start to see like you're putting so much effort into one area of your life. Uh, I'll just use me. I open up a clinic and that's the only thing I think about for like a year. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh my goodness, like I also have like my partner at home. Oh my goodness. I also have my family. Oh, I also have my friends. There's also this crazy situation happening in the world. And it's like each time when I notice one starts to go to the bottom, I'm like, okay, that needs a little bit more love. This needs a little bit more love, you know? And I think that um, the awareness around that and where you need to put your attention, I think is really fluid as well. Totally. It's like climbing a mountain, you know, like you go up, you go down, you go up, down, you know, that's, I think that with these little triangles of where our priorities lay do flip, you know, and you just keep adding layer by layer or, Mm -hmm. you know, more information every time you, you go over or through Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. 
or through it, going through the motions. Yeah, yes. absolutely. And I, you know, I always love that analogy of, of a mountain as well, because, you know, this concept can be overwhelming because it requires every part of your life. And when we say something is a lifestyle, it requires everything around you to flow with that. And I think the concept of the mountain is so powerful because when you're walking up a mountain, you you hike a lot and so do I, you're never like is thinking to yourself, oh, look how far I've come until you turn around. Like you're just sweating. You're this is hard. Stop Why am I doing this today? Why, Why am I here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you get like halfway or close, totally close to the top and you look back and you're like, we were down there. Like it is like that never is lost on me. Like every time I hike and every time I'm doing that action, I I still have that like childlike awe of my accomplishments and like how how far you can get in, in relatively a short amount of time, <laughs> you know? So well, like also align, that. Like when all of your values are aligned, like, you know, all aspects, your, your, your food, you know, that's what you value. You're putting it into your body that you value. Your relationships are things that you surround yourself that support you. It's, it's also something that you value, you know, and doing these activities, making time for the nature or the remembering, the regrounding. And then things do happen very quickly you know before we know it we are up that mountain it's like mm -hmm. whoa isn't that yeah there's that reverence i know i love that feeling too of i love that feeling i like, that's whoa, what I did it, you know yeah i think that's what keeps i mean for me anyway there's like uh like that adrenaline push in it that keeps me back forever and i never lose my awe like I never ever lose my awe of um, accomplishment when it comes to doing harder things um, or being in nature, like having the gift of being in nature, you know? So I think even just like that connection, I think it's so important to have things around you that always give you like a childlike sense of awe. You know, when you mm -hmm. see a kid like eat something yummy for the first time and their face is like mind blown, I think tapping into those things are, are just so powerful. I know some people do that through sport, right? Um, some people, I know a lot of people connected to like martial arts or kickboxing because there's always, you can see this little bit of accomplishment through, through a lot of things like that, biking, uh, yoga, right? I think, you mm -hmm. know, there's a lot of- Even like home movement. renovations. Oh my goodness, totally, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Even yes. gardening. Like right now is gardening. Like, I'm yes. my plants every day. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And totally. I think like, you know, it's so easy for like natural health practitioners to to only say all the things that are good for us. But I'm also like a huge advocate of like the 80-20 life. Like sometimes you will have a burger and fries and it's like the best decision you ever made, you know? So I think that like, you know, often um, there is this like, uh, we have to be on it all the time. And I've done so much research and read lots of journal articles about doing something 100% of the time or doing something 80% of the time and actually getting better results doing stuff 80% of the time. So I often right. will say to people that are coming in, like, do this, like the stuff that I'm asking you if we're trying to get rid of bad bacteria or dampness, stay away from gluten, dairy, and sugar six days a week for me. And then one day out of the week at the beginning, like eat whatever you want. And then eventually you get to a point where you don't want that bad day because it makes you feel so bad. But our idea and concept of like that we're not stripped of everything or that we have to change everything tomorrow, I think is also like very like, um, 
innate, you know, like it's something that is like very of a human experience. So I think also like that, you know, 80, 20 of sometimes just, you know, enjoying yourself and not worrying about all the things that you're meant to do to create harmony is harmony. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. It's yeah. all part of it. You know, it's, it's like, all don't, part of it. you know, it's like just more acceptance around it and then you yeah. can keep moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. And not getting so stuck stuck in it, right? Because like yeah. stuck in stagnation obviously creates the majority of disease, really in a very basic way. Right? Yeah, or you know, uh, self talk is like a big thing, right? Especially with mm -hmm. a lot of your training, we can get caught in. You know, we have some really good days, and we're speaking really well to ourselves, and then something happens, and we just go back to zero, and it's like, well, what's the point of trying again? You know, like yeah. that in and of itself is still that lifestyle of creating more balance into your life because you will inevitably have days that don't feel as good as other days. And so it's about not giving up and seeing, you know, I love the concept of it being like part of your life and what you're creating as opposed to like attaining a certain goal, right? I'm never ever going to tell myself that I'm not worthy. I mean, that's not realistic. You know, so well, like, you know, and it's like chi the child, you know, it's like when you said being childlike and being like really playing with life versus mm -hmm. childish, you know, like catching ourselves in that childish behavior. Like, yeah, I like, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. And I know those are real beliefs. Like th these are mm -hmm. very common structures that, that we do, but recognizing that that's, you know, it's not, it's not true either. You know, it's like, what else might it, might it open up for you? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what else does the way do? We haven't heard, you know, much yeah. about what so, you're offering um, there. Yeah. So uh, again, like I, the concept or the foundation really is this space that um, kind of our overall message is like a sanctuary for you to follow your path. And so um, what I have here is there's four Chinese medicine doctors um, and practitioners as um of acupuncture. So uh, there is myself um, and two of us are really like more of the traditional style. And so kind of how we were taught and, and how we learned um, very much like uh, we do diagnosis, we give you tons of advice, we do cupping, uh, ear seeds, uh, send you home with moxibustion, herbs, do acupuncture that day. And then I have two other practitioners. One is does cosmetic style. So uh, it's really a, a newer advancement in the medicine, but it's so beautiful. Um, so she does cosmetic style. So really working on like the youthful appearance of her face, um, lines, wrinkles, uh, skin care, like so lots of skin conditions. Uh, she has also, she's an RMT background. So really kind of gets into the buccal massage. So like internal TMJ. And then uh, another one of the practitioners really focuses on tuning forks, so more of the acutonics. Um, she's incredible, also one of our teachers, and she teaches acutonics all around the world. So really happy to have like a lot of different, um, a lot of this medicine, but really like different ways of using it in the space, which is beautiful. And then uh, massage therapy, I have intuitive counseling, breath work, Bowen, cranial sacral, Akashic readings, and uh, hypnosis. So kind of tapping into all layers, which was always something that I thought would be just so perfect for a space. 
where you know you may come for uh, even a maybe more like scientific diagnostic method with me but then also you know if i see that um, somebody like Jacqueline who does our hypnosis intuitive counseling or past life regression could be part of your healing process and we always like refer out so I love the space in that idea because we are this like collective together. So, you know, um, sometimes if I'm like, oh my goodness, like you're really sensitive to the needles, but I feel like you need a reset, go do acutonics, you know? So I think that there's like this really beautiful, again, like harmony and flow in the space um, of like just making sure that you're coming in here, following your path and, and you get all the care that you need from every different angle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whatever's best suited for you. Yes. Absolutely. I love your space. I mean, it's gorgeous. And I'm even noticing your wall behind you. As you're yeah. saying, you know, we were talking about how you can bring in more of these elements of, of balance and harmony and kind of neutralize maybe some more like intense or difficult things. But, you know, putting in some elements like this wood in a mm -hmm. space, mm -hmm. you know, it's like if you can't, if you are in the city and you don't have nature, you're not like surrounded by a forest when you step outside your door. You know, having a feature of, of the the wood or maybe a little water feature, of course, um, or by plant. You know, oh, yes, you know, plants. Oh, that change. Yes. I never had plants before, and then in my house now we have all of these plants, and everyone that comes in, like they walk in and take a deep breath. <laughs> Mm. Like oh, you I can like that. yeah you know it's like it's so cool to see even just having greenery you know just having plants around how that can like change uh this feeling of a space too right like i think that that also is is really unique like how you're setting up your space or how your place looks mm -hmm. yeah and you have um some products and things like local artisans yeah. and yeah, so I have um, some, yeah, just local brands, which I think is, I mean, so important right now is to support all our local communities. And um, uh, the I have made a lot of stuff too, um, some gua sha and cupping packages for the face and for the body, uh, some hydrosyl face spray, so like just really hydrating. And then we also have um, eye masks. We have um, one of the practitioners that does a cosmetic acupuncture. She actually makes all of her own oil. So we sell that here. We have like kind of a rotating level of artists that put their work up. Um, same thing with macrame, which you can buy as well when you're here. Um, we also do have like a solve, um, almost like a solve lotion that you can get from a local producer, soap. Um, yeah, we've just really been trying to, candles now we just got as well. And then I've made like a whole bunch of swag for the way. So um, mm -hmm. just swag that you can wear in nature, swag that you can go and do stuff with as part of your lifestyle. So t-shirts and hoodies. And my next idea is to get like really amazing kimono. <laughs> so just like yes. outsourcing. Um, and yeah, just yeah. getting so like you feel like you know, we're tapping into what I believe is a lifestyle, right? Um, one of the other uh, Chinese medicine doctors, Stephanie here, she also did ear seeds packages so that you can go home and still get the benefits of auricular acupuncture. So we have like a, just a little bit of everything that keeps creating this, like, you know, outside of getting a treatment here, how can you still experience not only Chinese medicine, but harmony outside of the clinic, which I think is, is so important. And so we have kind mm -hmm. of all those little like take home things where um, you can uh, get some, get some love at home. And also we've been doing uh, breath work and um, movement through our IGTV. 
So pretty much every Saturday or Sunday of the month, we have some one of the practitioners just giving care um, that you can just do at home as well, which was a huge huge thing for me. Oh, and one more thing, mm-hmm. uh, usually once a month I, I try to do, or once every two months we do, uh, it's called by design day. So it's a donation day. So anyone that can't afford the care on a normal basis can come and just donate whatever money that they can, or that they want to, to the practitioner that they're receiving care from too. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it sounds like a great place to come in and explore the many ways that we can reach harmony mm-hmm. and what that means to us, maybe even just opening the, the conversation around what, what that means to each and every one of us. Yeah. I really appreciate um, you joining us today. So they can check you out um, and all these like amazing practitioners mm-hmm. and offerings that you have at thewayhc.com and same the way HC on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. And then your personal one is, at smell the roses underscore 11 and follow you. I yeah. always love watching your stuff. You know, you have like really cool, um, you know, modern, it's like traditional medicine meets modern, I don't know, challenges. Yeah. <laughs> right? I, I always said to myself, like, what is my role in like being a pioneer of this medicine? And I it really simply, I'm like, I just want to make it cool. I want it to not be mm-hmm. so scary, you know, and so mm-hmm. foreign. I want it to feel like, um, you know, oh, wow, I didn't know that Chinese medicine that did that, or I didn't know that it could be, um, you know, something that I could add into my life. So it's not like, oh, my God, this is scary. I wanted it right. to be more accessible. Yeah, I feel, yeah, same wavelength, you know, yeah. how can we make it more metaphorical? Because it really just, it does naturally fit into our life, you know, and it's it just does. a language that we just need to learn and become more fluent in. and. Absolutely. All right. Very good. Our time is up. I'm sorry. We'll have to. We'll have to meet again so here soon. Yeah, <laughs> have so a much. great day, Rose. You too. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks to um, our listeners for tuning in today, tuning in live on uh, Facebook and YouTube, and listening to us on the W4CY radio. And we'll leave you with the question: What will you take with you from this conversation that will support you for the rest of your life? See you next week. Wow, what a show today, and the journey does not stop here. Come travel the world with Nicole every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time as together we become more fluent in the language of healing on W4CY Radio and Talk4TV. See you next week. Good weather and time off from school... It's time to get the ball rolling on planning a fabulous summer. Whether it's a family vacation at the beach or throwing the best wedding ever, a personal loan from Delta Community Credit Union is the perfect fit to make your summer dreams come true. Delta Community offers low-rate personal loans that give you next-day access to the money you need for whatever you want, even paying off high-interest debt. Talk to the folks at Delta Community Credit Union today or learn more at deltacommunitycu.com slash personal loans. Delta Community is federally insured by the NCUA. Listening to today's episode. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Bears beats the office on Peacock. Stream every moment from Dunder Mifflin and explore bonus extras and exclusives. Plus, if you're looking for more classic hits, you can stream every episode of Parks and Recreation, Two and a Half Men, and every season of SNL. In the mood for something brand new? 
Check out Peacock's original comedies, The Amber Ruffin Show, and Saved by the Bell. Whether you're craving a new binge or familiar fave, you can find tons of comedy hits on Peacock. Get started for free at PeacockTV.com. Hi, everyone. This is California News, a podcast that brings you the latest news from across California. Now, here's your host, Dr. Carlos. Well, we'll be looking at the most expensive restaurants in L.A. Now, of course, this could change because of COVID and whatnot, but we'll look at the most expensive top 10, maybe. How about that? Number 10 for the most expensive restaurants in L.A. was Yamakizi Sushi, $150 a person on 1042 National Boulevard in L.A. If you're looking for somewhere that takes exclusivity to the next level, then this sushi place is the one for you. If you want to get a seat, you'll need to book via the website and then nervously wait in news of whether they're willing to accept you. If they do, you'll find a daily changing menu that may include such delicacies as Japanese wild-raised freshwater eel, Hiroshima hoister, or Japanese ice fish. Number nine is Matsuhisa, $150 per person in La Cienega. Any restaurant that has a celebrity chef, Nobu Matsuhisa's name attached to it is guaranteed to be good. Number eight is Osteria Matsa, $150 per person. And in this place, it's a Chef Nancy Silverton place, reigniting love for traditional Italian cuisine. So away from Japanese sushi over to Italian for the most expensive. Number seven is Patina, another Italian place. It looks like, no, actually, this is a French cuisine. My apologies. It was some of the finest French cuisine in town. It's worth more. It's more than worth the expense. And this restaurant also has caviar service at $160 per person, located at South Grand Avenue in L.A. Number six is Capo Restaurant, 1810 Ocean Avenue in Santa Monica, 1810. They have $180 per person. This tiny piece of Tuscan paradise can't be beaten for its Italian fare. If you want to save money, though, avoid the wine list, where some range as high as $4,500. Number five in 9824 National Boulevard is Sushi Zo, $240 per person. Number four, Sam or Sam, S-A-A-M, S-A-A-M at SLS Hotel is $250 per person. The chef is Jose Andres, innovative approach to cuisine featuring treats such as a 28-ounce tomahawk, I like tomahawks, jamon croquetas or seared wagyu beef cheeks. Either way, it's a pricey meal. And Naka, over at 3455 South Overland Avenue, $275 per person. The only thing more beautiful than Naka's stunning dining room. Fun fact, it used to be a spa, despite the change it's set up, is its menu. Under the direction of the chef, Niki Nakayama, it has cornered the market in exquisite, beautifully balanced Japanese dishes, such as lobster, tartare, and uni butter, and manila clam. Number two is Providence, over at... 5955 Melrose at $285 per plate. Seafood is the food of choice there. And number one on 218 North Rodeo Drive, shouldn't surprise anybody, is Urasawa, $395 per person on average. It's one of the most expensive eateries in the world with a quick glance at the menu telling you all you need to know about why. Bursting at the seams with delicacies such as Wagyu and Torso, the restaurant has a gut-busting 30-course amakaze menu that will set you back 400 bucks. That's even before drinks. 
Despite being able to command such high prices, the restaurant doesn't have the greatest of track records when it comes to passing on its profits. It was stamped with a hefty fine for underpaying their staff wages. Either way, things seem to have improved, and Udosawa is extremely one of the hottest, one of the hottest places in town. I'm a cover girl. I'm a cover girl. I'm a cover girl too, because I use CoverGirl Simply Ageless Liquid Foundation, America's number one anti-aging foundation brand. Simply Ageless is skincare and makeup in one. It instantly reduces the look of wrinkles and even skin tone. With hyaluronic complex and vitamin C for plump skin and a healthy youthful glow. So be a cover girl like me. And me. And get better skin at any age. Try Simply Ageless Liquid Foundation from easy, breezy, beautiful CoverGirl. From self-help books to meditation, we work hard to find peace of mind. Xfinity Home helps you rest easy with a total home security solution. Installed by experts and powered by secure and reliable Xfinity Wi-Fi, you'll get 24-7 professional monitoring with fast response times and real-time alerts, like when doors and windows are opened. Rest easier with Xfinity Home. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash home security. Restrictions apply. Residential customers only. Requires compatible high-speed internet. Professional installation required. Keep listening to our weekly episodes to find out more. It's Monday, June 14th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill with me today, Jason Moser. Good to see you. Hey, hey, good to see you. We've got the long-term future of Apple. We've got the near-term future of consumer spending. But we're going to start with the present situation at Lordstown Motors. CEO Steve Burns has resigned. CFO Julio Rodriguez has uh, resigned. Shares of Lordstown Motors are down nearly 20%. Um, This is... What it was just last week, I think that uh, the electric truck maker warned that it had, and I'm quoting here, substantial doubt about its ability to continue as a company. Um, I guess my question is, shouldn't this stock be down more than twenty percent? It should. I don't I mean, remember it... the last time we had this combination of really bad factors. This is not. Jeff Bezos announces he's stepping down as CEO, and sometime later this year, Andrew Jassy's going to take over. It's, I'm out, the CFO is out, we're not sure this business can continue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a lot to digest. I mean, that that it obviously not a good look. I mean, when you lose your CEO and CFO, and there are questions of the the business actually even being able to make it, given that the business literally just went public via SPAC here recently. Um, You say what you will about Tesla. I mean, we have a lot of fun batting that one back and forth on on the shows. Um, I I think that this, to me, this is a perfect example of how tough it is going to be for so many of these newfangled automakers um, to, to be able to compete in in the new EV space. Not only compete, but really even to catch up. I mean, it, it does... It does show you that for for all of, of the criticism we we can lob out there on on Tesla and, and Elon Musk, I, I mean there has been a method to that madness. I mean it, he he has had the benefit of time and trust and capital to build up a business uh, where they're able to to really 
handle such a monumental challenge. And, and with Lordstown Motors, I mean, this this is this is just a I mean, this is a, a one year old company essentially. I mean, they revealed a a, a pickup truck prototype. Uh, last year, or, or I mean, was it even last year? I mean, no, it wasn't. I mean, it, it, it literally is just just getting started in in uh, going public via SPAC pre revenue. I mean, really, I mean, there's there's nothing but the promise of growth in the EV market to 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 make investors feel like maybe this is is one way to to be able to participate in in that opportunity but it just goes to show you i think the monumental challenges that that come with this space i mean making cars is really hard changing consumer behavior is really hard and in in really with evs you're trying to do both of those things right and so uh, when it comes to lordstown i i mean did did they overpromise? Maybe were investors a little bit too eager to get in on a a Tesla like story? Maybe I mean it just goes to show you. I think SPACs that there are risks that come with these SPACs. They are not always good for investors. It's it's typically good for the company because it gets them out there front and center uh, much more quickly and gives them access potential access to more capital. Uh, but but yeah, it, it it really does go to show uh, the risks involved with these SPACs, and, and regardless of the story that they spin, uh, there needs to be an underlying business uh, for investors. And, and in this case, it just doesn't look like there really is one, and, and that obviously is a big problem. Yeah, I, I think I've made this comment before that over the years I've gotten the chance to talk with executives in the automotive industry. And I'm not going to name names, but I have asked them, you know, people from different companies about sort of the idea that, look, anytime there's a big recall in the automotive industry uh, around safety and look, there are recalls all the time and, and most of them are very minor, but, you know, sort of the big ones that in, usually that involve a vehicle on fire. Um, and I've asked them, like, hey, look, when this happens, it, like, if it's not at your company, you still sort of, it's not great for the overall industry, right? And everyone has confirmed that, where it's just like, yeah, there, there is a degree to which um, a lot of consumers are willing to paint everyone in a particular industry with the same brush. And uh, fairly or unfairly, th that just happens. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the, the SPAC process, because I sort of feel like the pendulum is starting to swing the other way a little bit with SPACs in general. And I think this is one of those situations that um, definitely doesn't go in the plus column. That, you know, from this point forward, if they weren't already going to do this, some amount of investors are going to look at companies that become newly public companies via SPAC. And some group of investors is going to say, "Is this another Lordstown Motors?" Yeah, and you know, it's it's interesting to think about because so Matt Frankel, my partner in crime on the industry focused financials, he and I talk about specs a lot, um, and 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 I like his mindset in regard to specs. They really are. They really are a management story. I mean, from the very beginning, the, the shell company, right, the blank check company, um, you're, you're, you're counting on that management team to 
pick a good candidate to, to actually bring in into into their to their business. Uh, you, you certainly are relying on good management on the other side of the equation with the company that is that is going to be brought public, and it it, it because they come to. The, the market so much sooner in in their lives, right? I mean, so many of these companies are coming to coming to to the public markets just pre revenue. I mean, think about that for a second. You've got a company that's two three billion dollar market capitalization that generates zero dollars in sales. Now, th- you have to that that requires a tremendous leap of faith. In in many of these companies that come public these days are pre revenue, and so I mean, we've had a lot of fun. With sort of the the forty times sales is sort of the new per, the new PE right price to sales is the new PE and and, and now I mean pre revenue is 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 all the rage apparently uh, it, you, you gotta really be careful and you have to I think look at the greater market too to get an idea of what this company is trying to do because some companies are really going up against. I mean, just monumental challenges. I mean, in with the auto automobile industry, I mean, when you look at some of the numbers involved here, GM, right, General Motors, they have, they have this goal to produce only EVs by 2035, and they're plowing money hand over fist in, into this idea, right, in, into this goal at 27 billion dollars plus. Right, Ford, basically the same story, right? I mean, they want they want to produce they want forty percent of their vehicles to be EVs by twenty thirty, um, and obviously they, they've they've uh, created a lot of awareness just with the new F one fifty, but but again, twenty two billion dollars they're plowing into that into that initiative, and so you, you all of a sudden you realize the numbers that are involved with these these uh these automakers that have been right these legacy automakers that have been around for a long time they've already got all of this infrastructure in place now they have to change things around a little bit and and uh do things a little bit differently but generally speaking the heavy lifting for the most part has been done on the production side and and they can they can just put out millions of vehicles a year. I mean, it just it takes a lot to be able to do that. And so then when you see a company like Lordstown go public, I mean, while the promise is exciting and and you love what they stand for in theory at least, I mean, because it sounds like they may stand for fraud too, who knows. <laughs> but I mean, generally speaking, you know, you want to get behind a company like this, but but as investors, it it really is it, it takes a lot of work to to be able to balance the excitement and the enthusiasm with the reality of of the situation on the ground. And, and I think that for most of us, I mean, we could have looked at Lordstown and said, you know what, I, I'm rooting for a business like this, but there's no way on God's green earth that I'm investing in a business like this today because they just simply have no track record. They've proven to me nothing. And and unfortunately, we're, we're seeing sort of the downside uh, to, to that today. And uh, just before we move on, lest anyone think um, you were throwing words around, uh, it, it is worth pointing out that Lordstown Motors has confirmed that the SEC is investigating the company because they've been accused of fraud. So. Oh, yeah, that wasn't unsubstantiated. No, I know. I'm just saying yeah. there might have been a listener who was like, wow, that's, that's bold of him. It's like, <laughs> no, that. that's, uh, that, that's coming from the company. <laughs> um, let's move on to Brian Moynihan, uh, the CEO of Bank of America. He was on CNBC this morning. Um, some, uh, you tell me if you're surprised by these numbers. I was a little surprised because he was talking about consumer spending, not compared to last year. 
he was talking about consumer spending data that Bank of America is seeing so far year to date compared to 2019, and it's up 20%. I, I figured it would be up. I'm a little surprised that it's up that much. Um, I, I'm, I I'm actually, also, I'm also happy that it's up that much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think we all are. I mean, it, it is, it is another positive sign, right? Um, I'm, I'm not that surprised and, and I'll tell you why. So we follow Bank of America, um, as analysts, at least I do, just just to get a, a, a good idea of, of what the general economy is looking like, because it's such a big bank, obviously, because so much money is going through that entire network. Um, it, one thing they talk about, we saw signs of this back in January, and Bank of America announced a, a reported fourth quarter uh, earnings. They talked about the, this confidence in in the level of deposits and the quality of deposits thanks to the stimulus i mean that was that was coming in I mean, there was there was a reliability um in those deposits and they could see consumers uh, deposit accounts growing considerably uh but then they also they they tacked on this this uh term that that we hear from time to time the velocity of money and and so you know, we talk about the velocity of money. The velocity of money, ultimately, it's just it's the rate at which consumers and businesses in economy basically spend money, right? It's it's the rate that that money is moving through the economy, and and it's it's very reasonable to to assume that in 2020 the velocity of money uh, was not necessarily uh, all that robust, right? I mean, if you look at the actual charts, I mean, they they have they have charts for this at the. Uh, it, uh, the, the St. Louis Fed there, you could see from the beginning of 2020, the velocity of money just fell off a cliff. Uh, people were getting into defensive mode. They were saving as much as they could. There was a lot of uncertainty. People weren't spending. Um, and, and so now we're correcting from that. Um, it, 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 to me, it, it makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, I, I think that it's interesting to note that travel still hasn't recovered necessarily to to where it was before I, I you know i mean i think that in time will correct itself as well i mean right now it's it's just more difficult like physically it's just more difficult to get out of the country uh because there's so much required but travel within the united states uh for example is is, is starting to bounce back as well but i think it's it's just a matter of of normalizing right kind of getting back to kind of where we were there is that coiled spring uh, from everything that was built up over 2020, and a lot of it goes back to that velocity of money. You could see signs that that just that the money wasn't moving around as much, and so that's a good metric to to look at. I mean, if you just you Google velocity of money and, and Fred, I think you'll actually it'll take you right to that chart. You can see historically uh, that 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 ratio. Um, to me, I, I think it's also interesting to, to think about. Not not just the, the bounce back in the economy, but all of these these ancillary effects that we're seeing from this. Um, in, in one of them, I think is just it's people feeling confident enough to actually now quit jobs. I mean, a year ago everybody was more or less desperate for work, <laughs> and now we've, we've the pendulum has swung all the way to the other side. And people are actually at a higher rate than than, than in, a, in a long long time. I mean, people are feeling comfortable enough to go ahead and quit jobs and move elsewhere because. 
Perhaps there are more options. Perhaps they realize there's something else that they really want to do. They've been able to build up a little bit of savings there. Uh, so so it, it is interesting to see while the spending comes back, it, you're seeing people reconsider kind of what they're doing for a living and, and maybe uh, choosing a different path than they would have otherwise. Our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. Great question from Niraj Kapoor in Foster City, California. I've owned Apple for years, but now seeing a market cap in excess of $2 trillion, I wonder how much more can this monster keep growing? And then adds parenthetically, I know I'm probably wrong. Uh, I like the business a lot, but when I look at the potential for multi-bagger return, I'm not seeing it. I find companies like Square and Teladoc much more disruptive with massive growth ahead. So I wanted to reach out and see what you think about this issue and what would be your strategy. I think Apple is almost like holding an index fund in my portfolio, which I really don't want to do given how much I love investing in good companies and holding for the long term. Um, so one thought on on this, and uh, it, it, it's interesting, the whole idea that uh, you know Apple as an index fund. I don't own Apple, but I don't I don't think of it that way. Um, I, in part because of the business, I think more along the lines of like a Berkshire Hathaway, which is a you know a diversified portfolio of companies, and it's enormous, and the massive growth opportunities for Berkshire Hathaway are probably behind it, not ahead of it. So I look at a business like that as being akin to holding an index fund, but but that's just me. What? You know, this is, I said before we started recording, Jason, I feel like that there are a lot of Apple shareholders who may be thinking the same thing, which is like, okay, do I sell some of this and just put it to work in other ways? Do I, you know, it's not, well, this company's dead, so I'm selling it all. But what do you think? Well, I mean, I agree with you in regard to the index fund. And I mean, I think I understand the perspective of Niraj as well. I mean, I, I, th- I think he's just essentially referring to sort of the size, the reliability, the risk profile. Um, but to your point, yeah, I, I wouldn't view Apple necessarily that same way. And primarily, the, the main reason why is because for all that the company's done so well through the years, this still really is a phone company at the end of the day, right? I mean, this is an iPhone story. Um, they, they've done a good job over the past several years diversifying that revenue stream a little bit. You know, we, we, we talk about the services uh, side of the business and how th- that's the direction in which they're trying to steer the company. And they're doing, they're doing a, good, a good job with that. Uh, but, but it really all does, at the end of the day, come back to that installed base of iPhones. And so as the iPhone goes, so will Apple for uh, the foreseeable future. Um, now, yeah, it is a massive, massive company. And is it reasonable to expect multi-bagger returns from a holding like this? I mean, probably not. No, I mean, it's technically you can hang on to shares and over the course of five or 10 years, maybe those shares double or triple. And then, yeah, technically you've got a multi-bagger. Um, and, and that's great. I mean, let's not dismiss uh, stock returning Fifteen uh, percent annualized over the course of five years, right? I mean, that's that's a double, uh, essentially. Um, I, I think when it comes to Apple, businesses like this, it, it is just a matter of understanding where you are in your investing life and what your investing goals really are. And and so I think yeah, with Apple, I mean, it, let's let's also remember, I mean. 
there's the potential for innovation with a business like this. I mean, I fully expect them to continue to innovate and, and be one of the companies leading the way in developing new markets, particularly as, as technology just continues uh, to dictate everything that we do in the world. Um, I mean, when you have the resources at your disposal like this company does, you can pretty much try anything. And if it fails, you can just sweep it under the rug. And if it, and if it succeeds, it has it has the potential to, to really uh, help impact the business. But I, I think, you know, when I look at businesses like Apple, I think there's a place for companies like these in everyone's portfolio. Uh, it, it just is a matter of where you are in your investing life and what your ultimate goals are. But I, I always like to look back to our Rule Your Retirement Service, headed up by Robert Brokamp, right? I mean, it is just such a wonderful resource for questions like these, because I look at model portfolios that they uh, have there uh, for for our members. And, and so when we look at the model portfolio there for folks who are more than a decade out uh, from retirement, they say that you know maybe twenty five percent of your portfolio should be de- dedicated toward, toward large caps companies like Apple. Um, within a decade of retirement, that number should go up to thirty five percent. If you're in retirement, that number should go up to forty percent. That makes perfect sense, right? I mean, you're looking for something a little bit less risky as you enter those retirement uh, years. And and so I think that's one area where you may want to look and say, uh, I may not feel this way right now if I'm of a certain age, if I'm 30 or 40 years old, but fast forward to 60, fast forward to 65 years old, and you're thinking, hey, now I'm in retirement or I'm thinking about retiring, and what does my portfolio look like? What kind of stocks do I want to own? Well, if you're saying at 65 that I want to own Apple, well, buying Apple when you're 65 probably isn't really the right move. The right move is to buy Apple when you're 35 just hang on to it. Because by the time you're 65, you benefited from 30 years of, of compounding dividend share repurchases in, in a ton of potential innovation. So that's the way I tend to look at a business like this. It, it, I, it's not an either or. You can own Teladoc, Square, and Apple. You can own all three. Um, it just feels like today, with uh, social media and meme stocks and the way that information moves, it does feel like there's that that idea that if it's not a multi-bagger, I don't even want to consider it. And I would just caution investors against that mindset. I, I, I really do believe in the power of diversification. I think there's room for a business like Apple in everyone's portfolio. It's just a matter of keeping your expectations in check. Jason Moser, great talking to you. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Tonight, the president's message to the world, touching down in Brussels for a NATO summit, the new agreements to battle cyber terrorists, and what the president says he agrees with Vladimir Putin on. That's potentially a a good sign in progress. Their meeting just days away. Our Andrea Mitchell one-on-one with the Secretary of State for a preview. Royal visit. The Queen of England welcomes the President and First Lady with a military salute, the invitation he extended to her. 
historic change, Benjamin Netanyahu officially voted out after 12 years as prime minister. What Israel's new leader says about relations with the U.S. Record-breaking temperatures scorching the West, topping 100 in Idaho and Utah. The extreme drought in nearly half the country is about to get worse. The major legal ruling that an employer can require its workers to get vaccinated. Will more companies follow? Gridlock, how the surge in online deliveries is leading to massive traffic jams across the U.S. This is NBC Nightly News with Kate Snow. Good evening. America is back at the table. Those are the words of President Biden today as he and other world leaders wrapped up a very friendly G7 summit. Late today, Mr. Biden touched down in Brussels for the next leg of his European trip, a NATO summit. And this Wednesday, he sits down for his first meeting as president with Russian leader Vladimir Putin, the two already engaging in a back and forth. The president and first lady also received by the queen today. More on the pageantry and conversation in a moment. But we start off with Chief Foreign Affairs Correspondent Andrea Mitchell. A very royal farewell to England as the Bidens of the White House and Delaware were received by Her Majesty the Queen at Windsor Castle. As England's longest-serving monarch hosted her 13th U.S. president, Biden and his signature aviators, the two chatting about world leaders, including his upcoming summit with Vladimir Putin. The Russian leader almost upstaging today's G7 finale by proposing to turn over Russian cyber hackers to the U.S. if President Biden would do the same. So are you open to that kind of a trade with Vladimir Putin? Uh, yes, I, I'm, I'm open to if there's crimes committed against Russia, then in fact are and the people committing those crimes are being harbored in the United States, I'm, I'm committed to holding them accountable. I think that's... Uh, that's potentially a, a good sign of progress. Still, U.S. officials say they're not sure whether Putin wants to make progress at Wednesday's meeting or be disruptive. Putin told my colleague Keir Simmons that the U.S.-Russia relationship is the worst it's ever been. Who's responsible for that? That's probably an accurate description. Uh, and uh, again, from our perspective, clearly, the reckless and aggressive actions that Russia has taken uh, consistently uh, are, um, are responsible. But... Uh, we're also prepared to have uh, and would prefer to have uh, a more stable and predictable relationship. At the G7, the president hailing that America is back after four years when President Trump often dismissed the allies, but Biden failing to get the other leaders to adopt his tough talk about China's abusive trade and labor practices. As I've told uh, Xi Jinping myself, uh, I'm not looking for conflict. Uh, where we cooperate, we'll cooperate, and we are going to respond to actions that are inconsistent. Tonight, the president arriving in Brussels for a NATO summit tomorrow. Mr. Biden saying today... We do not view uh, NATO as a sort of a protection racket. We believe that uh, NATO is vital to our ability to maintain American security. And Andrea joins me from Brussels, the site of that NATO summit. The comment we just heard from the president sounded like a swipe at his predecessor. Exactly. Uh, nothing but. NATO, of course, is an alliance that former President Trump threatened to quit. He called it obsolete. President Biden, instead, thinks that it's critical to his efforts to stand up to Russia's aggression, Kate.
All right, Andrea Mitchell, thank you so much. And a reminder, Keir Simmons' exclusive interview with Vladimir Putin airs tomorrow morning on Today. Now to more on President Biden's visit with the Queen today. He became the 13th U.S. president to have an audience with Queen Elizabeth that came with all the pageantry you'd expect and all the rules and royal protocols to be followed. Sarah Harmon is in Windsor with more. It was pomp and circumstance as only the Brits can do. A royal salute from the Queen's Guard of Honor, followed by the star-spangled banner. President Biden slowing his steps to avoid walking in front of Her Majesty, a breach of protocol President Trump was criticized for in 2018. After a private tea behind closed doors, I, Biden I telling NBC's Peter Alexander... Reminded me of my mother. Did you invite her to the White House? Yes. The president marveling at the size of Windsor Castle. I said this is, we could fit the White House in the courtyard. It wasn't the first royal meeting of the trip. The first lady taking on several independent engagements on the sidelines of the G7, including visiting a school with Kate, the Duchess of Cambridge, and highlighting the importance of early childhood education. She's already established good personal relations with uh, Boris Johnson and Carrie Simons. And of course, in a sense, it's the most difficult uh, job because uh, for any of the uh, wives, because she is the first lady of the most powerful country in the G7. Tonight, a united front between America's first family and Britain's royal family as Biden completes a presidential rite of passage. It's unlikely the Queen will accept Biden's invitation to visit the White House. At 95, she no longer travels abroad. The world's leaders come to her. However, it is possible we'll see the Bidens return to the UK perhaps even for an official state visit. History is being made in Israel tonight. Longtime Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has been ousted from power. Kelly Kobiea now on what it could mean for peace in the region and long-term relations with the U.S. After 12 years and three U.S. presidents, Benjamin Netanyahu, known as a political magician, is out of tricks tonight pushed out in a dramatic, razor-thin vote by an unlikely team of rivals from the right, center, and left, joined for the first time by an Arab Islamist party. It comes five weeks into a fragile ceasefire with Hamas. Tensions are still high. Palestinians under occupation for decades are fighting for their homes and demanding freedom. What the hell is going on? Is really is still we are in 2021 and still there is this injustice happening and supported by so many uh, official official entities, which is the USA for an example. The new prime minister, right-wing politician Naftali Bennett, 49 years old, the son of immigrants from San Francisco, a former commando and tech millionaire who's against a Palestinian state. Tonight, thanking President Biden for supporting Israel and vowing to work with both Republicans and Democrats. Israel is the most important partner in the U.S. in this part of the world. On the street tonight, celebrations from those who believed Netanyahu was only holding on to power to get out of legal trouble. And Kelly joins me now from Tel Aviv. Kelly, Netanyahu not leaving public life. That's right, Kate. He's still a member of parliament, has no plans to retire. He's repeatedly called this government dangerous and a fraud and today vowed to bring it down.
Kate? Kelly Kobiea in Israel for us. Back here in the U.S., dangerous triple-digit temperatures are baking the West. The heat wave and record drought are threatening food supplies. And now in some areas, even the power grid is in jeopardy. Von Hilliard reports from Los Angeles. Tonight, record-breaking heat and a lack of rainfall are threatening to paralyze the country's western half. There's Phoenix, set to blister its records. But the high heat will reach beyond the desert this week. Billings, Montana, forecasting 104 degrees. Casper, Wyoming, 102. Salt Lake City, 103. Grand Junction, 106. As parts of California hit triple digits, the heat could be felt in the kitchen as farmers suffer to produce. If we don't have enough water and we don't have enough feed for these cows, the, the tough decisions are coming for all of us. But there is no rain on the calendar, punishing the already dry, parched land. This year is the worst drought, the worst year since 1977. 88% of it now in a drought, raising fears of widespread wildfires. Flames already burning in Utah, prompting the governor to ask his state to pray for water from the skies. We need it now. We need some divine intervention. The thirst for water evident at Lake Mead, at its lowest point since 1937. And in the Nevada mountains, even bighorn sheep are desperate. We did see some mortalities on the mountains. Um, and they, those mortalities were uh, where they would normally find water. And there wasn't any. Tucson is moving its outdoor COVID vaccination sites indoors as cities brace for earlier, hotter summers. Definitely in the future and decades to come, we'll see probably more intense heat events like this. And there is heightened concern about the American West power supply. Last summer, 800,000 California homes lost electricity. Now the state's power grid operator warns it may be overstressed again, adding blackouts to the list of potential dangers this summer. It's just scorching. How long is this heat wave expected to last, Vaughn? Yeah, Kate, heat advisories are in effect through at least this Saturday here. Usually June's, they're cloudier, they're cooler, but this year, summer's coming early. Kate? Just ahead tonight, the new ruling that makes COVID vaccines mandatory for some workers. Will your employer be next? We're back with a new controversial ruling about mandatory COVID vaccines in the workplace. A judge has ruled that one hospital is allowed to require them for its employees. The question now, could it happen at your job? Katie Beck reports. High temperatures and turnout at a heated protest in Indianapolis Saturday. Healthcare workers fighting a new vaccine mandate from IU Health System, which says by September, all employees must get a COVID vaccination or face termination. If you get the vaccine, why should I have to? Why should I ha be made and be threatened my livelihood if the vaccine works for you? This weekend, a federal judge settling a challenge in Houston, where over 100 employees of Houston Methodist Hospital sued their employer over a similar mandate. We're just basically fighting for everybody to have their free choice of what they do. The judge striking down claims that employees face coercion to take the vaccine in a right-to-work state, stating in her ruling, Methodist is trying to do their business of saving lives without giving them the COVID-19 virus. It's a choice made to keep staff, patients, and their families safer. The mandate challenge, not the first and likely not the last, to a quickly growing list of hospitals, making vaccines a condition of employment. New York Presbyterian Hospital System announcing their mandate Friday. Some of these people were expressing that, you know, that they should have the right to choose. They should have the right to make these choices themselves. 
They're right. As individuals, everybody has the right to choose anything that enters their body. But when we enter the practice of medicine, we know that our health affects our patient's health. Doctor and healthcare policy expert Kavita Patel says nearly all hospitals already require a host of vaccines to be on the job. Many even require a yearly flu shot. This is high stakes, not just for liability, but for patients' peace of mind after this harrowing pandemic. High stakes for companies, too. Investment bank Goldman Sachs now asking employees to report their vaccine status. As in-person work life returns, more struggles ahead on who should call the shots when it comes to vaccines. Katie Beck, NBC News. Still to come, the surprising connection between online shopping and the growing traffic jams across the country. Plus, team spirit, why all these families were exercising together all across the country. We're following some breaking news out of China. A deadly gas explosion at a produce market is under investigation. It happened today in central China, killing at least 12 people. You can see just how widespread the damage is. Tonight, rescue workers are on site looking for survivors under the rubble. Tonight, we're kicking off a series of reports across NBC News about infrastructure, and we're starting with traffic. Have you noticed it getting worse? Well, there's a surprising reason. It's because we're all doing a lot more online shopping. Steve Patterson explains. After a year of largely untraveled freeways, Americans are hitting the road and finding a new source of congestion, delivery trucks. Experts say it's due to a surge in online ordering during the pandemic. And companies like Amazon adding more trucks for even faster delivery. A recent survey found that nationwide, over the course of 2020, total deliveries rose by almost 28%. Groceries in particular jumped by a staggering 103%. If you've driven in a city recently, you've seen it. This FedEx truck double parked. FedEx truck double parked, blocking traffic. This is the third truck that we've seen as we speak, a UPS truck double parked, blocking traffic. I can barely get around, and this is what drivers are dealing with. And with more trucks out on the road, those in charge of local infrastructure have their work cut out for them. We monitor traffic on a 24-hour basis. Here in Los Angeles, a city synonymous with driving, we were shown the Regional Traffic Management Center for Caltrans. Los Angeles and Long Beach ports carry 40% of the nation's imports. We have a lot of trucks, and as trucks are more on the pavement, we do see wear and tear on the pavement. And that has a price tag. By one estimate, bumpy roads cost California drivers $61 billion annually. Our lifestyle of online ordering has made truck congestion a real problem, and it's made worse every time you click that same day or next day button putting more pressure on companies to deliver packages faster, which obviously makes the roads more congested, and it really pounds infrastructure and highways just like this one. And it's only going to get worse. According to projections from the World Economic Forum, delivery vehicles in the top 100 cities globally will rise 36 percent by 2030, increasing congestion by over 21 percent and adding an average of 11 minutes to your daily commute. For its part, FedEx told us in a statement their trucks are a critical link in accommodating rapid growth in e-commerce and meeting fast-changing consumer demands. Amazon and UPS weren't available for comment. Do you think this is something that is going to be a measurable problem for Caltrans? It's just a new way of doing commerce. Ensuring our nation's roadways remain clear and resilient as we get back to normal. Steve Patterson, NBC News, Los Angeles. Up next, the inspiring fitness challenge uniting families across the country.
Finally, there's good news tonight about a month-long effort this June asking people across the country to get active and have fun, to raise awareness and promote acceptance for people with disabilities. On a sticky summer Saturday, little kids were racing, families walking together, tossing footballs, dancing from Chicago to Fargo to San Diego, even as far away as Mexico. Gigi's Playhouse, which runs Down Syndrome Achievement Centers nationwide, kicked off what they call an acceptance challenge for June. Will you accept me? It is time! Nancy Gianni is the energetic founder. Part of why you started Gigi's Playhouse is because of the girl next to you. This yes, girl me. That's right, because of yes, her. Yes, that's your name on it. That's your name on it. Where's my girl? Full disclosure, Nancy's also a friend of my family. My sister-in-law, Kira, works at Gigi's. We profiled the centers on Nightly News back in 2013. They offer free therapy, classes, career skills, and family support. Will you mail for acceptance? Will you accept me? But with all the work they've done, Nancy still sees ignorance and a lack of acceptance. For 17 years, we've like given them all the tools. We've worked so hard, free programming, free everything to get them ready for the world. And then I feel like we throw them out there in a world that's not ready for them. The acceptance challenge is a way to unite. There is nothing like being together at a gathering where people are there because they choose to be there. They choose to say, I can't will accept you as you are. It's like, Kate, there's a energy about that. Gigi, what would you say about the need for acceptance? You have to be generous, be kind, and be accepting, and you have to be nice, not mean. Can you say hi? Hi! After months of virtual classes during the pandemic, there was joy in just being together. It is so heartwarming just to have everybody back together again. It's okay. He's, he's perfect. Sending a message engraved on every medal the kids took home that day. Be generous, be kind, be <laughs> Their free virtual platform is called Gigi's at Home, created during COVID. It's still operating, and it is one of the silver linings. They now reach families in more than 50 countries. That is NBC Nightly News for this Sunday. Lester Holt will be back with you tomorrow. I'm Kate Snow. For all of us here at NBC News, stay safe and have a great night. Hey, NBC News viewers. Thanks for checking out our YouTube channel. Subscribe by clicking on that button down here and click on any of the videos over here to watch the latest interviews, show highlights, and digital exclusives. Thanks for watching. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. suggestions or feedback head over right now to twitter and facebook and like share and get involved join us next time
Please be advised that this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only and is in no way a replacement for legal or medical advice. The opinions contained within are solely those of the interviewers and interviewees and should be received as so. Those seeking help or advice are encouraged to obtain professional legal and medical services.